and what you would call a champagne problem, Deckard Shaw. Ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Escape is a Modern. Hello, my name is Oodles, host of the spin-off podcast, How To Do Accents. And today, I am joined by the host of the new spin-off podcast, Newcastle Public Toilets Review, It's Gadget. It's a wet mess, mate. (laughs) And the host of To Live and Die in Northern France, It's Biggie. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yo. I thought Oodles was the uh, accent uh, podcast. And last... But by no means least, the host of the spin-off podcast, doing the big shop in Waitrose, it's Stig. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I am How are you all doing posh. this I am not very posh. fine Sunday? <laughs> you are posh. I'm not. I'm very good, thank you. I've had a really nice day. Yeah. How are those little pretzels? pretzels? Oh, pretzels. yeah. I got a little, man. Got a little for the pretzels. Damn, they're good. I want to try them now. They are oh. really good. Yeah. Well, let's uh, start as we mean to go on. Um, Gadget, you've been up to this week? Uh, a myriad of chaotic things, but... Um, oh Yeah, just, you know, the usual chaos that accompanies me. Uh, but what I'm bringing to the table today is a, a film I've seen before, mm-hmm. um, but I showed it to Pip for the very first time last night, uh, and it is uh, Shane Black's uh, The Nice Guys. Yes. Oh, great film. Yeah. Which is an oh, absolutely yeah, great yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. It's it, yeah. one of my favourite films. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's a 2016 American neo-noir comedy film, as I said, directed by Shane Black. It stars Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling as... Well, Ryan Gosling is basically playing against type in this one because yes, for the longest, longest time in Hollywood, he was the heartthrob. It's kind of following on from the notebook. He was a very pretty guy. He did a lot of very quiet roles. Mm. And this one, he plays an alcoholic fuck-up of a private oh, yes, detective. He <laughs> and he's a, he's a despicable, horrible person. He... Fleeces his fleeces his clients. Um, he's a whiner. He's just he's not a very good person. And then you play Russell Crowe as he's kind of like a fixer, isn't he? Like he, he, he yeah. he's not. You would call him an assassin, but he doesn't actually kill anybody. But it's it's more like he goes and threatens people to leave, who are yeah. like stalking young women or stuff like that. Yeah, he's, a mus- the, two he's of, the muscle. Yeah, he's the muscle. And the two of them get caught in this conspiracy surrounding a porn star um, who's gone missing. And it is just a chaotic clusterfuck of (laughs) madness and insanity. It's set in 1978. It's got an absolutely banging soundtrack of pure 70s gems. Um, And it's just really fucking funny. But aside from everything else, it is actually a really interesting whodunit story. Yeah. With a bit of conspiracy thrown in, a bit of investigation. Um, Ryan Gosling crying when he gets his hand broken by Russell Crowe quite early on in the film. (laughs) One of my favorite. It also features one of my favorite physical comedy sequences of of any film I've ever seen, which is when Russell Crowe uh, confronts Ryan Gosling in the men's room. Oh yes, and he's sat that. on the toilet, and his hand is broken. He's holding a magazine to try and kind of cover himself. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. He drops <laughs> the cigarette, tries to pull his gun on Russell Crowe. The door closes, and it's just this wonderful madness of all four of his limbs going in different directions <laughs> trying to maintain a position where he's got the gun on Russell Crowe and not exposing right. himself in the process it's so <laughs> funny 
Um, yeah, I don't I really have much to say that. on it other than that you really should watch it because oh, it's it is. Great. It's one of my favorite films of Russell Crowe. It's probably my favorite film of Ryan Gosling. I know he's done a lot of. I've seen him in a lot of good films, but I think this might be my favorite thing because he's playing so against type. Mm. Like as the film goes on, you can tell he is a good guy. Like there is a, he's got the heart of gold underneath him, but everything he does is just so scummy or so stupid or so inept. Yeah. Um, it's also like Shane Black's second best film after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree opinion. with that one. What about Last Boy Scout? Yeah, that's good. I mean, what about Iron Man 3? <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> I like Iron Man 3, but it's... No, it's hey, what I about know. Predator? Oh, no, I forgot that. Yeah, no, 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 we don't talk about Predators. <laughs> no, we don't talk about Predator. Uh, he's, he's in the first Predator. He's good in that. He wrote the he first Predator. Really hmm. Yeah, he? Hey, he wrote the first Predator. Yeah, he wrote the first Predator. He, he directed direct it, Predators. Did no. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, not much. Not much writing in the first Predator. Let's be fair. <laughs> Often get to the job. Yeah. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang is brilliant though. Like if you haven't seen that yeah. one, you should oh, watch I love that it. as well. He did Iron uh, Man three, didn't he? As well. I think. Yes, I'm, I already made that joke. Oh, did you? Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like Iron Man three. I, I think it's yeah. a really good film. No, no. I'm just yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking back to the Never Watchers criticism of it. Yeah. It was a, it was a, that was a good episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. It's a it's 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 a Friends really good film. Yep. Uh, it's a really good film. It's very well cast. Um, there's only maybe one thing that I think is particularly stupid in it, um, which is uh, Matt Boomer's assassin character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah. like, somehow he manages to unload an entire arsenal's worth of bullets into um, Ryan Gosling's house and seems to get to be able to just drive away from the scene quite happily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I get he's an assassin and he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a bad dude, but... Yeah, he just doesn't seem like a very good one if he I has think to it's, unload it's an entire a, arsenal into a house to not yeah, kill somebody. It's the pulpy element to it. It's like in pulp, suppose, in pulp yeah. comics and pulp literature and stuff like that, the baddies aren't very good. No, true, yeah. They're like um, stormtroopers. They've got the aim of a stormtrooper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he seems like a slightly... I think it's. I think actually what bothers me most about Matt Boomer's character is that he's just slightly too evil for the context of the film. Yeah. Like, there are some really bad people in this film and some really, like, massive arseholes in it. But he's, like, comic book villain evil. Like, he's mm. got no compunction about just killing people in the street. And, I mean, it works at the end of the day, you know. It the, it works in the story, but I just, every time I, like, this is, like, the third time I've seen it now, I just think, oh, come on, you, you're a bit much, mate. Yeah. Just d- dial it down a little bit. Less of an LMG at the back of your car. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, yeah, no, really, watch, watch the nice guys. Um, It's on... Amazon Prime, I rented it for 99 pence. I think it was on Netflix for a little bit as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. But I'm it, sure I saw it on Netflix. Yeah, it's not on there now, but yeah, it's on, it's on Prime. It They're doing 10, that a lot lately on Netflix. They're not having things on for long. No. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 99 pence to rent it, or I think it was like two quid to buy it if you wanted yeah. to buy it digitally. But yeah, great film. Quality film. Excellent, excellent. Um, Stig, you've been doing, apart from eating pretzels. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that pretzel. Um, well... <laughs> couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, I played for the first time ever Super Mario World. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't it's know how... One this... of my favourites. Yeah, I don't know how it slipped me by. I was thinking, talk about this in our Discord, how I had a SNES, but for some reason, apart from three Nintendo games, I didn't have any other first-party games from them. Because they were so expensive. Uh, maybe it was just that or something. But didn't Super Mario World come with the console for a lot of people, though? Like, it wasn't, it, it wasn't depe- a packing game for it, a lot of people. You had the All f- Stars as well, didn't you? The, he, he was a packing for like the first drop of the consoles because that's how yeah, I got we, it. We, ne- we never had it. I've never played it before, anyway. I, I, the last one I played was three. Um, 
back then, and then it wasn't until I'm sure at some point uh, uh, people people are going to shout at me, but at some point the SNES got down to like ninety nine quid, and you got the console and a pad and no game, so they could have got that right. version. Oh, maybe yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I never played it. I really enjoyed it. It's not up there with my favourites, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't oh, think. Wow. I wasn't really impressed with a lot of level level designs. Um, I still think three is the best. No, um, yeah. it's not. <laughs> Look up any list. Three is always top. We best may have music, feedback about best this. levels, like <laughs> easily the best three. Anyway, so what I was going to do was. Um, play a series of Mario games that I'd never played before and report back on here in a few weeks' time. Yeah, man. But then I did nothing else this week other than play Mario. <laughs> so I <laughs> had <laughs> so nothing else to talk about. We all have them so, weeks. So here I am. I'm going to talk about Mario Galaxy. Hey. Ah, I recently just played that for the first time as well. My and word. I'm so, go- so go- I'm so going to drop in some of the soundtrack here. What a fucking excellent game that is. Yeah, it is. Good, isn't it? So good. It's Are you so playing it on the Switch, good. I take it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I didn't bother with. I never played 64. I never played Sunshine. I was like, ah, oh, it's like everyone says Sunshine's a bit shit. 64 looks like it handles like crap. Maybe I'll go play them it at does. one point. So I was just like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to go straight to Galaxy because everyone says how amazing it is. And it's brilliant. I mean, it still looks fantastic for a game. It does, that doesn't it? came out in 2007. I love the. It's so creative. Mm. Ridiculously creative what they've done with it. Like with the little galaxies and the little worlds you pop on between and. The use of gravity, like oh, or you can go upside down on the on the world and yeah, like popping from like using the stars to pop from one little planet to another, and yeah. I just I'm enjoying it so much. I am even going back and redoing the levels to get all the stars. There's a I lot re- of game I've, in that game though, isn't yeah. there? It's, it's quite a long Mario game. There's, there's yeah, I'm on do. Galaxy Three now, yeah. um, but I rarely ever go back to get the stars in Mario games so when I played 3D World if I've got enough stars to move on I should move on <laughs> yeah. I'm not bothered like collecting yeah. the stars doesn't bother me if I can get through no the achievements, game is there? yeah but this one actually the levels are different when you go back in to get the stars yeah. and that's really helped me carry on playing the game and go back in for more like each level has each of the main levels I think has like five different stars you can collect mm. three main ones a hidden one and a shooting star and then there are some levels which are just uh, themed levels, like you have to race against the clock or you have to um, surf a ray down a, a water slide. Yeah. 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 And it's just one star done. If you do it in the timeline, you've got it. And those are really fun. Um, so I like that it adds those elements in there. But I also really like the shooting star ones as well, where you go back in and you're given a challenge. Like one is defeat the boss with what you only have one life to defeat the boss. You have to race against uh, Ghost Mario. First one to the star wins. It's a race against the clock. Things like that. Like it, it gives you oh, different yeah. things to do when you go back into the levels. And yeah, I just think it's such a well crafted game. And the music is absolutely amazing. So good. And the use of the touch screen to collect the stars works really well. Because I remember everyone yeah. saying, "Oh, well, it does actually." How are you going to do this without the waggle of the Wii remote? Yeah, it says, "Well, you just." you know swipe your finger across the screen to collect the stars where you would have used the Wii remote and the sensor uh, back on the Wii but yeah that's what I, I've literally just been sat playing that like in my spare time and been absolutely loving it so it's a it, it's a really good game I remember I played that through when it first came out and I know a lot of people kind of criticise the 3D All-Stars collection on the Switch 
One thing I will say about it is that the loading times in it are so much faster. Oh, yeah. It's not disk, is it? It's not disk based. No, it's, so. it's, it's not disk. And I remember my biggest irritation with it on the Wii was that every every time you got a, um, a star in a level, it kicks you back to the hub world. You have to go back in to get the next one. And the loading times just made that so fucking annoying on the Wii. But on the Switch, it's really quick. It's like it's a couple of seconds and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And it just makes it so much more of a comfortable game to play. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, that that one's up there with one of my favorite Mario games. It's, I think it's really good. I think it was. I, th- I think it was my favorite three D Mario game until Odyssey came out. Yeah, I, I think, think Odyssey, I think Odyssey wipes it. the floor with it. I think it's leagues better. Yeah, I, I, Odyssey is one of my favorites to be honest. But this, I would say right it's now, up there, though. it's up there. I think three and Odyssey, and then this, in our top three so far. I would have. I would have literally not played this if it weren't for. Uh, Best Boy Kurt lending it me. I, I mean, at the moment, he seems to be lending me Mario games. That's his. Um, that's his trick. And he's, he's, he's trying to keep you away from Dragon Quest. Yeah, it's it's working because <laughs> the thing the, the the thing is like I I, I played um, I played Sunshine sixty four obviously, but I don't get me wrong. I had a Wii like week one it came out and I fucking hated it and I always have hated it. I think I hate. The fact the console, yeah, I hate having to sit up. <laughs> I hate having to. <laughs> I hate having to. Mo- Everyone knows this about me. I'm. I'm. I'm a. I'm not a Wii apologist. Uh, I've never played a Wii U, and after playing Galaxy on my Switch, I kind of sat back and thought, oh, I think this would have been really good on Wii. Big Telly, Wii Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was definitely like when I had a Wii. I think I maybe had about three games that I actually enjoyed on it. Yeah, it's not good. The the digital, the, the, the virtual console. Oh, yes, it's good. The virtual yeah. console, but that's not what you buy a console for. Yeah, no. I, no, I think what were the other games I liked on the Wii? It was. It, it was just um, Zach and Wii Mario- is good. Wii Sports. Wii Sports Two. <laughs> yeah, no, well, they don't. They, they, they I didn't don't buy care, them though. They, they came with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, Zelda Twilight Princess and Mario Kart were the only other games I liked on oh, it. And I played I remember- Twilight Princess on GameCube. Oh. Mm. See, I've got, I've still got a Wii U, um, which is basically my kids' YouTube and Netflix machine in their oh, kids' room. that capability? I didn't know. Yeah. And, the Wii uh, U's not bad, it just didn't have any games. I, I just found the pad ugly. I think I might, if, if, if Galaxy 2 doesn't come out for the Switch, yeah, I might end up that. getting it on that as a, just to play it. Cause yeah. I've enjoyed playing Galaxy so much, like, and I've say, say I've still got three or four galaxies to go, and it's still. It's just that the proof is in the is in the pudding. On a Nintendo console, the best games are Nintendo games. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just. I, I generally it's that can't, simple. Like I said, though, I generally can't believe how good it looks. It's so oh, yeah. good. Still, looks still looks. The denim so on good. his uh, on his dungarees, it's better than what I think he looks in Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a stylized version of Mario. It looks brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. We rec- I recommend people to uh, ask her to, for him to, to send it, it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, excellent, mate. Brilliant, Mario. I mean, please, please continue. There'll be some Mario stuff you've you've missed. Like I know full well you've probably not played played all the Mario RPGs and stuff like that. You need to get on that RPGs. No, no, no. no. Look at his face. <laughs> Look at his face. There's some absolute stellar well, ones. I say, I was, I was say you liked Origami King. Yeah, exactly. I loved, or- I loved Origami King. Yeah, and that's so not good. the best one of those. So um, it's not even the best Paper Mario. Oh, the writing in it was amazing, though. Oh, the writing is, is brilliant. But yeah, well, let's move on to uh, Biggie. You've been doing. Don't say playing Mario. No, I, I wish I had a Switch. People, Anyone got a Switch, give it I've to me. I've got a Switch Lite if you want to buy it off me. 
Uh, you can give it to me. Um, <laughs> I thought that's so, what you'd uh, say. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Wifey the other day to come down after putting it one to bed, and I was oh, really wow. unsure what on earth to watch. And I was just sitting there, and I came across the Image Revolution documentary about Image Comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it advertised. Amazon Prime, and that's really cool. Is it? really recommend that if you're interested in like, the history of how a bunch of uh, comic artists nearly brought, well, they pretty much brought Marvel to their knees. It's Jim Lee, wasn't it? It was uh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld. Mm. Um, I've forgotten a couple of the other names of the guys. Was, but they... was, was Image Comics who did Spawn? Yeah, the they, well, oh, yeah. Todd McFarlane. Basically, I mean, I'm cutting a very long story down to a two-second thing. They were fed up. Um, just basically, they were becoming big at Marvel because people were recognizing their art style. Yeah, and they were big fans. They were, all their comics that they were particularly um, illustrating for were just selling ridiculous yeah. numbers, like five million, eight point two million copies, and so on. But they get no recognition, no thanks, nothing. They're just paid to do their work, no acknowledgement for what they do. And Todd McFarlane, in particular, got fed up with it. Um, ended up being a bit disgruntled, chatting with some of the artists, and they decided to go separate ways. Yeah, and he managed to enough. talk them all into leaving, and they agreed, and they set up Armage, uh, Image, <laughs> which is um, well, probably one of the most the successful uh, comics after Marvel, I think. Now, yeah, they, they, it's it overtook DC for a long time yeah. uh, with gross revenue, especially Spawn. Spawn yeah. just it hit the edge lord teens uh, perfectly, like to the point where. The comic wasn't out long before a film was made of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A film that shouldn't have been made. Yeah, it's not very good. It's not very good. I, I but... really want another Spawn film, but done properly. Yeah, so I think it'd be yeah, like now it'd probably be really good. Yeah. yeah, and like you've got you've got modern stuff today, like uh, Invincible and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of things come from that. But what's happened since then is the big the big two DC and Marvel have been trying to like come to us. Do you know what I mean? Like there's been a lot yeah. of crossovers and. Let's. Let, we we really like that character. Can it can it live in both universes? That kind of thing. There's been a lot right. of. Right. Well, people don't realise that if you join Image, you own your yes. material. Yes. So it, there's the only thing that Image own is the name Image. Yeah. And um, the logo, and that's it. So anyone that works for them, they own that property. So you basically have to sell your product through them. Yeah. And if you can sell it, you make the money. So it's kind of it's kind of that's independent good, in a way, yeah. and and the i logo is quite synonymous now with um horror comics and comics like mm. they, they don't have the marvel code where you can't swear and you can't marvel's not as bad anymore as they used to be but no. back in the day you couldn't you couldn't be fight there was it wasn't blood the vampires were having it was plasma stuff like that Do you know what i mean it was yeah. so weird but image were just like you know what fuck it there's viscera everywhere <laughs> <laughs> but yeah please check it out it's really good if you're in, if you're obviously if you've got any interest in that mm. but the main thing i really really quickly wanted to talk about um which is very weird is uh well for me anyway is a tv show called this is us oh. now this is oh, also I've, shown, I've, I've heard things about this this is oh, also shown on prime um it's an american family drama centered uh around uh parents and their set of triplets oh wow and follow them through their lives um, it's based in Pittsburgh, New Jersey, LA, and New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently up to season five, and uh, we've only just watched the first season. But man, we've just been ripped. It's just one of those shows that's just well written, 
really well acted and it fucking makes you cry and it's so good Shit. at that yeah, but it's the stories are good it sometimes flips with your expectations so it doesn't always quite go where you think it's going to go it stars um i think um Beatles is a fan milo ventimiglia yeah from heroes yeah, i love i love him mandy moore of all people not a big not a massive fan of mandy moore but she's really good in this is she yep um, a very good uh, unknown actress, I think, called Chrissy Metz. Mm. Sterling K. Brown, who was in uh, The People vs. OJ, uh, Black Panther. Yeah. And Justin Hartley, who was from Smallville. Um, <sighs> but it's, their acting is just top notch. The series has been nominated for Best Television Series Drama for the Golden Globes, Best Drama Critics' Choice Awards. Oh. Um, it's been chosen by a top television program by the American Film Institute. Sterling K. Brown received an Emmy, a Golden Globe, a Screen Actors Guild Award, a Critics' Choice Award. Um, Mandy Moore and Chrissy Metz also received Best Supporting Actress as well. Okay. I'm no, writing this no, down no, right no now. No biggies for them. <laughs> they've, already, they've already had enough. So we're going to say it's popular then. Yeah, well, in 2017, God. the series received 10 Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Drama, with Brown winning uh, for Outstanding Lead Actor in the Drama Series. Isn't it and this came around, from... Sorry, yeah, and I was just going to say, it came from my, my two very good friends, N. Flem and Kung Fu Space Ninja is his online name. That's some lovely name, <laughs> lovely friends. Yeah. But um, he, they recommended it. Now, I know my friends very well, and for them to sort of recommend this show, say, like, you want to check this out. Yeah. And I started watching it, I was like, oh, my God, yeah. This is not what I would expect them to watch either, but it's just hooked all of us. I think I might watch this with my, with my wife again. She, she started and she got up to a certain point, and then it stopped being shown. I think it was on Channel 4. Okay. And it stopped being shown on it for some reason. So she fell off it. But she was really into it, and now it's on Prime. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to like, get back in touch? She's like, oh, well, it's been so long since I start, like I watched it. I don't know where it where I'm at with it. So, yeah, like we're looking for something to start. It's got Milo in it, so, so I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it pl- every, plays around with time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. About halfway through, there was maybe one or two episodes that started to pull up my heartstrings. And then the second half of the first season, I literally cried every episode. It's so good. <laughs> wow. It's really good. But it is feel good. It's It's got, you know, heartwarming moments, some sort of Mate, it's got It's got an 87 meta score. You can't yeah. fucking argue with that. Uh, I, I just really recommend it. It's, it's not an easy watch at times, but it's just really, really good. Oh, Love wow. It. I'm glad I needed some as well. I said that last week. And we've week. only, like, season one, so we've got, like, four seasons to go yet. You say it's on Prime? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to message her now and say, do you want to start this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been told I'm not allowed to watch it because it'll leave me a blubber and wreck and I might get dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it takes nothing to make me cry. <laughs> well, this will hit you big time, I'm telling you. That's a great shout, mate. And I needed something like this. And it's got me low in it, so I'm down. It's good. It's, they're all down. good. Everybody in it is really good. That's she, said, she said yes already. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Brilliant, mate. Thank you. Um, so, What have you been up to? What I've been up to? I've accidentally gone down a Johnny Flynn rabbit hole. So um, Johnny Flynn was in um, Genius that we talked about last week, playing the young uh, top shagger Einstein um, <laughs> during most of his top shagging. <laughs> Is Einstein going to be your like diehard in this part? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I was I was scrolling through as you're looking for. I wanted a film. I wanted a quick film. You know, an hour and a half type film. Yeah. So, and I saw the film Stardust. Now, not the Stardust oh, you're yeah. thinking. 
This oh. is Stardust, as in the David Bowie oh, kind of biopic. Oh, so you know what? You know I like a, a flamboyant frontman, and I thought, oh, I'll start watching this. Um, before I go into what it's about, I was like, who's playing David Bowie? I recognise this guy, and they were like, it's Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Flynn. Oh my God, he's at it again. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, um, basically, um, it's it's kind of a biopic, but not a biopic like Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Rocket Man is. This bio, uh, biopic starts after he's already done Space Odd uh, Space Oddity. So, as as you all know, that was the only hit Bowie had at that point. the The first album he did tanked but space oddity kept kept uh, him afloat basically in in the british music and then he released his second album uh, the man who sold the world and um the record label um uh, mercury records uh, said to him well, you need to crack america mark boland's done it t-rex you know what i mean they've all done it you've got it if you can't crack america you're fucked <laughs> so <laughs> They sent him over with, and if you know Bowie, The Man Who Sold the World is the most depressing album you could ever listen to. Even more depressing than his last album before he died. It's super depressing. And Yeah, but it give, it give you Metal Gear Solid 5 vibes, though. Oh, absolutely. Of course it does, yeah. <laughs> and he um, couldn't, it, basically, in, in, in his, his historical term, he couldn't crack America with this album. Uh, Americans found it weird. Uh, every every lyric in the, was about madness because uh, David Bowie had um, madness in his family. Um, a, a lot of his family members were hospitalized for psychosis and stuff like that. And his trip around America gave him the inspiration to become Ziggy Stardust, his alter ego, his first alter ego. Um, and it's just it's it. Now I'm 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 going to say this now. It's not a good film. Yeah. <laughs> The story is good because it's real, and and Johnny Flynn is a is a decent Bowie, but there's a lot of um, backstory to this film. Uh, the Bowie estate didn't sign off on this film, so there's no Bowie music in it. It's fake. Okay. It's fake Bowie music. That <laughs> a sounds... biopic about David Bowie <laughs> yeah. without his music. Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> it's fake Bowie music. It all sounds very similar. You, you, you get the vibe. Uh, he looks. Too good looking for Bowie. Ground control to Major John. Yeah, similar to similar. <laughs> it's it, it, it kind of like that. That's an episode title. <laughs> it is. You're not far from. You're not far from it. It's kind of like that. Um, but Johnny Flynn's too. He's too good looking. Um, Bowie was such a. His, his his visage was so odd, and that's what he played well, he, on, didn't he? he? Yeah, yeah. He had, he had the look of an alien about him. Yeah, and that's what he said. He's an alien, and. It was basically about it's it, it's actually a road trip movie, so what? yeah, I know, I know, it's I was saying. So when he when he gets to America, he's expecting red carpets and stuff because he's massive in England. He expects red, and uh, no, he gets picked up by the uh, Mercury Records exec Ron Oberman, played by Mark Maron, brilliantly played by Mark Maron, and there in it. Remind me who's he? He's a uh, well-to-do podcaster. Trust me. Producer, he's in. Um... He's in Glow, the TV series yeah, about is, the yeah. women he's, wrestling, he, and he's it's amazing in that. He's amazing in this. He's he's absolutely as much as I've got man crush on Johnny Flynn. Mark Maron mm-hmm. is the best person in this, and it's a road trip. So basically, <laughs> Bowie's saying stuff like, "Oh, so we're gonna get a tour bus." And he's like, "No, no, we're going in a station wagon." And also, um, we didn't get your visa papers in order, so we can't do any gigs 
musically, we can just do interviews. This is real. This is what happened. You, so this tour is an interview tour, and then oh, you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to sing. <laughs> which, <laughs> is, which is perfect to say they didn't have license for the songs. I was going to say, is that how they <laughs> got around insane. it? insane. It is insane. And it is, there's a lot of... It, it's, it's kind of an art piece film. Um, I mean, it's a solid two out of five. <laughs> Are a week three out of five, and it's just so fucked up. Like, because it is true, it did happen, and you'd expect a road trip movie from A to B, and when you get to B, everything happens and everything's perfect. No, 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 no. In real life, Bowie had to come back to England and sit sit down and and create Ziggy Stardust, and Ziggy Stardust doesn't appear until the very end. Oh God! <laughs> and he doesn't even sing. Ziggy Stardust or anything like that. So it sounds like a pointless film telling a pointless story of a pointless tour. Yeah, yeah. of history that, history that we all know. Why yeah. didn't you look at the rating before you watch it? See, I, I, if I looked at that rating and saw it's got 4 out of 10 on IMDb, I'm just like, instantly, I'm like, nope. It was the, it was the image of... Unless, it's got, unless the director attached his UV ball. <laughs> then you think it's well, one of like, the best films. That's when, I was, that was when I was younger when I watched stuff like that. These days I have a bit more of a... Mm. It was just the us. image of the of the um, the screen grab one, you know, the poster that you have on, yeah, on yeah. things. And I saw that, and I was like, "Wow, that's a good looking Ziggy Stardust." Because Ziggy Stardust ain't good looking. <laughs> no, is it? And then it, was turns out to those... be Johnny Flynn and big fan. <laughs> yeah, wasn't this one of those films that they got financed like um, after it was announced that um, they were doing a Bohemian Rhapsody film? Yes, and it yes. was just like because because we got we because we also got Rocket Man at the same time, and they're like, oh, oh, seventies oh, rock biopics are a thing. Yeah. Let's get them out there. And <laughs> the, the, the financed the film, got a cast, got it written, and then someone came out and says, yeah, the, the the Bowie Estate won't let you use the music. Yeah, he just died as well. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, 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 you're not touching um, this. Bowie is specifically said before he died, it will never be a film of yeah, his career. Yeah, yeah. he's already, he's it, got it like written in everything. Saying, it's like, because you, you mainly do not have access to my material. Like like Bowie isn't Bowie. He's he's David Jones. That's that's his net. Do you know what I mean? Bowie's his stage persona. Yeah. And he he wants to separate truth from fiction because his whole musical journey is fiction. He is an alien, and that's how he says it. That's why he's he's, he's changed personas so much, and he's he's visionary, and he doesn't want that mixing with real life. And yeah, I've 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 read like an unofficial biography and stuff like that, and. The man was troubled. Whew. Yeah. But, yeah, but are you saying with what... Bing Crosby and Mick Jagger? Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but look at look at this the, alien. the the um <laughs> look at what like, I didn't mind Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not great. But like there's this, a lot of not true. So many liberties, that. yeah, and non truths taken with it in, in, in terms of the timelines of when Freddie announced to the band about his illness and yeah, everything which he like didn't, that. He didn't, which in he the didn't film. do that before Live Aid yeah. at all. Yeah. But he does in the film and stuff like that. And it's just like, I can completely see why Bowie would be like, I do not want anybody yeah. making shit up about me. So people think, oh, that's what happened, especially after I pass away. Like, it's completely understandable why, why artists would be like, nah, like my stuff is off yeah. limits. Yeah, even the Bowie estate said he can't play. He can't play David. Look at him, he's stunning. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one thing that's worth looking up is um, there's a, there's a video on online um, of Michael C. Hall who played Dexter in Dexter. Yeah, um, yeah. performing Lazarus because he was he was um, so yeah. part of the part of part of the Black Star album was which is a good album, which is an excellent album. I love it. It's my favorite Bowie mm. album. Um, really? That that was re 
that was repurposed um, as a musical. Like Bowie yes. wrote a musical around yes. that music. Um, and apparently that musical is slightly autobiographical as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the closest you'll get to like the biopic thing is that stage. Well, show. the album is apparently, isn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a bit of a journey. Yeah, but if you watch, there's this video of Michael C. Hall performing um, Lazarus, which is a really sad song in itself. It is, yeah. And I've never heard anybody sound as much like David Bowie, uh, David Bowie oh, yeah. as um, Michael C. Hall does. I think that's the that's what you need to to look at, not this Stardust shite. Look at the stuff that Bowie actually endorsed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that. that and that, all the way through, I, I was just like being a big Bowie fan. I was I was just like, he'd hate this bit. He'd hate this. He'd hate this. Like mm-hmm. in the film, they made out that like Bowie was anti-drug and stuff. Like I'm like, no, he what? weren't. He bloody loved to sniff. <laughs> he was practically pickled in the 70s yeah, I know. I mean, every single uh, one of them in the and 70s and again he sang with Bing Crosby and Mick Jagger yeah exactly, yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. I was like this is it's, it's, it was so odd and I mean, he's just, he, I mean, he signed on signed on to play in that film The Man Who Fell to Earth which was dreadful yeah <laughs> yeah it's the the man was half baked all the time and it was just it's in Labyrinth yeah doing that he's just such a weird it's like there's, there's a lot of liberties taken on it, but as an art piece, it was good, but it didn't have to be Bowie. It could have just been a, a made-up rock star. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it would have yeah. been so much better because the songs in it, like Johnny Flynn sings, and he's a good singer, and they're good, they're good songs, obviously the Bowie-esque, but it could have just been anybody. Yeah, it didn't yeah, have it to be a David original. Bowie film. Yeah, and the, the problem is now, Mark Boland's in this film, and the guy that's done Stardust wants to do the T-Rex one. I'm like, stop! No! You can't do it! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, don't watch it unless you really want to see some quite unique visuals of psychosis. It's one of those... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a hell of a sentence to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those films that it's got like 20 minutes that's good, really nice. good, but other than that... Phew, Stay clear. Don't worry. Just watch Bohemian Rhapsody and pretend that that was real. But yeah, uh, there is better biopics. And if you want a fake biopic, watch something like Almost Famous or something like that. Just a, a, <laughs> a great a, film. A that. way better film. And yeah, stay away from Stardust. It's one of the first times that I'm not recommending something. Ooh. Watch so, the other Stardust ooh. film instead. The other Stardust film, the one with the That's Take fun. That theme tune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is better. That is way better. <laughs> Randomly Michelle Pfeiffer and um, Robert De Niro in it. Yeah, that's yeah. way better. Really, as a, a, a romp. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing this week. Uh, wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> I've I also got back that. into Pokemon, but that's different. That's I'm, 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 I'm well invested and I'm loving that. But, yeah, play Pokemon. Have you ever heard of Pokemon? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Biggie, what are we doing now? Well, this week we're talking about spin-offs. Which media got it right and kept the spirit of the original or chose those characters that stood out? Which ones ended up directionless mess and left you bitter and hurt, making it difficult to look at your first love ever again and paying for that same feeling that seems now spoiled forever? Why is it always Joey? (laughs) (laughs) And the biggie goes to. (laughs) Matt LeBlanc. Brilliant. So, yeah, we're doing spin-offs. Spin-off, if, does someone want to explain to the listeners if they've been living on the moon what an actual spin-off is in simple terms? It's where s- someone takes something popular, takes a small segment of it, and then makes a new thing out of it. So yeah. like the most, the most people would rec- recognise spin-offs from TV. 
yeah. where there'll be some popular TV series. They'll take a character from that series and give them their own show. Exactly. Sometimes That's it right. works. Most of the time it doesn't. Yeah, um, yeah, 90% of the time it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, we're, we're going to do the usual modern escapism round table because we know you you like it. We like it. So let's start with um, Biggie, your favourite. Yeah, so I wanted to give a, a little shout out um, to Naked Gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was a spin off. So oh, to give its full yeah. title, it's From the Files of Police Squad. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Nielsen reprised his role as the inept Detective Frank Drebin <laughs> from the TV series, which first aired in uh, 82. Um, the show was created by Abrahams and Zucker, and then eventually, uh, I think it was about six or seven years later, decided to do a movie. Yep. Um, which had the plot of Frank Drebin, oh, which had the plot of Frank Drebin trying to uh, foil a plot to kill the Queen by using oh, it's a so brainwashed funny. baseball player for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> would, would anyone object here to the Naked Gun theme tune? Not at all. No. Excellent. Oh, so good. Oh, the opening that. to those as well is so great. Like. And uh, it also starred um, O.J. Simpson, who you may have heard of. Um, it's a uh, spoof with as many visual gags as they are verbal, with a lot of physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the two sequels that followed the quality... Uh, 33 and a half. From... <laughs> yeah. I was two and a half and 30, 33 and a third. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but it inspired a whole new wave of uh, new movies, such as Spy Hard, Hot Shots, the Scary Movie franchise. Dracula um, dead and loving it. Yeah. it just, it, Again, quality is hit and miss. It, it just gave Leslie Nielsen a career, really, didn't it? Oh, it did. And the fact that he played it so straight pretty much 90% of the time, it's just, I don't know how he didn't crack up. Well, my, 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 my favourite thing about Leslie Nielsen is he was a dramatic actor first, like a proper yeah. proper stage actor. Oh, yeah, um, well, yeah. And he was never interested in doing comedy until he, he got the role on Airplane. Yeah, and and the director, so yeah, good. the director on airplane says, "Just play it straight. You're, you're the straight man here. All the gags are in the dialogue. You don't need to be funny." And he just read the lines as he was given them, and it was so funny because it was so deadpan. It's when he reads that one line in one one of the <laughs> naked comedy. He goes, "Like a blind man at an orgy, I'm going to have to feel my way through." <laughs> <laughs> no, no fa- favorite favorite one is, and I remember, I remember, I had this. Is you, do you remember when you 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 were younger and you would like you discover that you could change the sound effects on Windows and you just put yes. really random sound effects? I, I I remember I, I got it set for whenever there was an error code um, uh, to come up um, on my dad's profile on the on the on the home PC and it would come like a midget at a urinal. I was going to have to stay on, stay my, on toes. my toes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. Non PC nowadays, but yeah, it's yeah. it's a classic. I don't know where you can track the actual TV series because I actually think it's funnier because it's a half, you know, your typical half hour comedy segment, and it's just bang, bang, bang. I've got if you the think VHS the jokes, box set somewhere, but not a VCR. Yeah, if you think of the jokes <laughs> that are in a Naked Gun movie, and you've obviously got those bits that are padded out, stretched, etc. But when you've got like a half hour of those jokes, yeah. one after the other after the other, yeah. It, the TV series is by far the funniest, but uh, Naked Gun movie in particular was fantastic. And I 
when I first saw um, that first movie, Naked Gun, the ending with OJ Simpson in that wheelchair going oh, off God the edge, I rewound that <laughs> so many times and pissed myself laughing every and time. And OJ Simpson's has aged, aged well, hasn't he? I, um, <laughs> I didn't realise as well that joke from Naked Gun with, with OJ and the, the pram and everything. Like, oh, oh, yeah. I, I can't remember which one it is. But I didn't realise that that was from The Untouchables. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because so yes, 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 yes. I'd watched one before the, the Untouchables. I only watched yeah. that this year. And I was just like, that's, it's just such a world and joke. Because I think, I, I think it's a bit shit in The Untouchables, that bit, to be honest. But like, it works so well in, in Naked Gun, like taking the piss out of it. <laughs> and the, shoot, the shootout in it as well. I really enjoy that, where like they're shooting at each other and it pans out and they're literally about. Five yards away from each yeah. other, ducking, ducking behind the bin. Yeah, and, and Leslie Nielsen's got five hundred bullets in a little handgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think Naked Gun has my has my favourite ever background visual joke of all time. Well, sorry, the third Naked Gun film, thirty three and a third, which is um, uh, spoiler alert: OJ Simpson gets killed quite early on into it, and he gets he gets shot and thrown off the side of a boot. Oh yeah, and and you you've got Leslie Nielsen and the like, the commissioner walking down the dock, and just in the side of the camera you can see a chalk outline floating in the water. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, such a yeah, simple yeah, gag, yeah, and yeah. it's my favorite background visual yeah, gag of all time. <laughs> you just don't get films like that these days, do you? I mean, even You're not like, allowed to. That's why. No, but even if you take away like the the like, un PC stuff, yeah. yeah. Like you just don't get that kind of good deadpan like visual jokes like no, that. No, I think I think it's it, a lot of things were ruined like. It, like scary movie, I think was the last good one of those kind it's of. It's because films. it turned into. It, it, thing is, after scary movie one, it turned into just sex joke after sex joke. Well, no, it, it was. It wasn't even the sex jokes. I mean, there's loads of sex jokes in Naked Gun. Yeah, there um, is. Yeah. But it's it's the after scary movie when they started doing like scary movie two, and then the, there was another oh, set of producers who started the... doing like epic movie and disaster movie and stuff like that. Yeah, it's oh, terrible. God, yeah. They lost all the subtlety. Like you, you can miss a fuck ton of jokes in the Naked Gun films. Oh yeah, like, so if many. There's movies. a visual. Gag when they're in the sex shop, oh. and he's, I've forgotten his partner's name. That's in that, um, but he ends up looking through the equipment in front of him, and he pulls up what looks like either a chainsaw or a power drill with a dildo on the end. Drilled out, and it's just wobbling like this in front of him. <laughs> and then he puts it back down again with his face like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> but Leslie Nielsen never reacted to it. No, um, at all. Yeah, yeah, but Not yeah. So you get like the, the epic movies and the disaster movies of this world, and. They lose all the subtlety, and it just it just throws these stupid, ridiculous um, parodies in your face, and they're just not funny. Yeah, um, yeah, they're not. I think I, I, even the end credits when they had to stop um, in the TV series where they do that jokey they had to smile. Stop still, the didn't end. they? Yeah, and then someone in the background starts there. moving yeah, around. Yeah, the they're all doing it. They're actually all sitting there, and they, yeah, they can't keep there, it any yeah. longer. Yeah, it's really good. Really <clears throat> excellent. That's a that's a good shout because I haven't watched a film like that that is just silly but it's one of them films that you can relax while watching it but you can't look away no you have to pay attention you've got to pay attention because there's a lot happening and you need it on a really big wide screen you need to see the backgrounds massive yeah Yeah. if you want if you want a good one noodles mm. to watch watch top secret top secret oh classic top secret is like that but top secret so good good. who's in that oh 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 right okay Playing it pretty straight, actually. Is it fat Val Kilmer or Finn? No, no, it's Val like Kilmer. 80s Val Kilmer. All oh, right, it's old. It's, a, yeah, yeah. it's around the time of Airplane. I like yeah, Airplane, Val Naked Gun kind of film. Watch, watch it. I think you really enjoy it. It's very good. Okay, I will do. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Let's move on then from Naked Gun to our own Naked Gun, Stig. 
Only for you guys. Oh! Listeners don't get to see. <laughs> uh, well, it's clearly obviously what I was going to bring to this. I got called out on it even before we even started recording. Better call Saul. You're getting predictable, yes. lad. Getting predictable. I don't even care because it's, in my opinion, the best spin-off show ever. Um, yeah. I, I can't say anything on the quality of Frasier because I've never seen Frasier. No what? She is. Um, so I can't Fuck. say that. But what I've seen, this is the best spin-off TV show, even to the point where I think it surpasses its original. I agree. I totally agree. So Better Call Saul is a spin-off of Breaking Bad. This uh, tells the story of Jimmy, sorry, Jimmy McGill, Bob Erdenk, who's played by Bob Erdenk. Oh, God, bloody hell. Bob yeah, Erdenk. You're, re- you're reading Jimmy the name, McGill, that's the problem, isn't it? Bob Erdenk. Put it from your mind. <laughs> and uh, he's basically, it tells the story of how he went from kind of greedy criminal defence attorney to Saul Goodman, how he's, he's it tells the journey oh, So of that's not his real name? How he went from Jimmy McGill to Saul yeah. Goodman. Oh. Now, Saul Goodman is a, is a play on words. It's all good, man. Yeah, it's all yeah. good, man. Yeah. yeah. I never uh, cottoned on to that. Fuck me. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, really? I did because of the adverts in, in Breaking Bad. Yeah. In Breaking no, Bad, they does them adverts. Yeah. No, no, honestly, never tweaked that. So the, 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 <laughs> the show starts with a flash forward. These are set, these are in grey, and it sh- you get about three glimpses of these every series. So it doesn't concentrate yeah. much on Saul Goodman post Breaking Bad. It's all about pre-Breaking Bad, but you do get a little bit of where mm. he is now and what he's doing now. Um, he's not in a good place for obvious reasons. <laughs> and um, it's just the tone of the show has changed so much. Like the first few series, uh, you see Jimmy is a bit of a hustler and he's trying to prove himself to his brother Chuck that he's a good lawyer. So Chuck is a big-time lawyer with this huge firm. He's like a partner in a huge lawyer firm. And Jimmy is still trying to get his lawyer's degree. Um, and his brother just does not believe in him. And so a lot of this, especially the first two series, is kind of cent- centred around this family drama. Mm. It is not Breaking Bad at all. Yeah, And I think that put a lot of people off. But I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the dynamic between his brother, between his love interest, Kim Wexler, and between um, the other partner in the firm. I forget his name now, unfortunately. Sorry. Marcus, is it? Um, I can't think. can't remember. Sorry, but... uh, He's called him Slappy. Yeah, his brother Chuck is actually a semi-recluse and believes he suffers from electromagnetic hypersensitivity. (laughs) What? So this is basically he believes that every every elect like every, all electronics give off a signal which kills he kills him kills his body. So he's now this semi recluse which he's got like um, foil everywhere and the windows closed. You can't take cell phones into the house. There's no electricity, and he's kind of had a little this, stove to keep. Yeah, he's kind of had this breakdown. But through all this, like he's constantly putting Jimmy down, but Jimmy never gives up on him. It's always there for him. And like, so the dynamic is his brother is an absolute arsehole, even to the point where he does things to foil Jimmy. Like Jimmy is literally trying to be a good person. He's trying to get away from his like shitty background and be a better person. And his brother will not let him. And that's where his descent into being more slime. I mean, more, more of a criminal comes from. Almost forced into it. 
forced into it because his brother just would not let him. Yeah. His brother could not accept his younger brother being better than him. Okay. So it, it has this dynamic to start with for a few seasons, and then the Breaking Bad characters come into it, and you mm. start to see how he became tied up with the likes of Gus Fring and the Salamancas. So you have new characters in this, uh, Nacho Vargo, played by Michael Mando, and Lalo Salamanca, played by Tony Dalton. Mm. And that Gus Fring is back in this as well. And so is Mike Ehrmantraut. So you have these links to Breaking Bad. Uh, Lalo is fucking incredible. He's such an amazing character. Um, he's absolutely mad. Completely like bonkers. Just like, don't cross him because you're fucked if you do. Uh, and it's just the writing, the directing, the cinematography, the acting, everything in this show. Everything you liked about Breaking Bad is in these shows specifically now, but better in places. More structured. That his relationship with Kim as well, just that is really touching. Yeah, really, yeah, he has really, such a really great relationship with Kim. That is a very on and off kind of thing as well. Yeah. Um, Kim isn't in Breaking Bad. We've all seen Breaking Bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we have, yeah. yeah. Kim isn't in Breaking Bad. She's never mentioned, right? So, where you are watching now was one more series to go of Better Call Saul. What happens to Kim? You're going to find out, surely. What happens to Kim and what sends him from where he is now to where he is at the start of Breaking Bad? Yeah. yeah. Because when he is at the start of Breaking Bad, it's really odd because he's not a broken man, is he? He's, he no, he's like happy go lucky, isn't he? Happy go lucky kind of guy. Mm. So, the guessing is does Kim do something? Does he set Kim up? Does he, like this man, like Jimmy, he's now at the point, like he is Saul Goodman now. He's shaved his Jimmy like thing and he's eventually, it shows you how he becomes Saul Goodman and he will double cross anyone if it means he's getting ahead. Like he's, he's starting to become the character from Breaking Bad. But I, I just can't praise the show enough, honestly. So, so you like, genuinely reckon it's better than Breaking Bad? Yes. I agree. I completely second that. Because here's my hot take. I've seen Breaking Bad once and I just found it good. I didn't think yeah, I don't different. think it's the best. I think I've watched it twice. I think Sopranos and, think and Mad Men excellent. and things like that are way better. Yeah. I, I love I loved Breaking Bad. I mean, and I that Breaking Bad film was shit. Oh, El Camino wasn't very good. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. I didn't mind that. I didn't I mind it. it. Right. Yeah, I thought it was quite a nice ending to Jesse's story. It didn't wasn't needed. Yeah, Jesse wasn't my no. favorite character though. That's the... but like this is like it's one of those like that spin off is kind of like oh, do we need that? Man, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, anyway. it's, but, like, it's the role this one is you, when you say we're going to do a spin off prequel about Saul Goodman. It's like, well, that's not going to get more than one or two series, is it? Yeah, I didn't think it was going to work. It turns out that it's going to actually surpass the original. So how's it so, doing critically? Like you're saying it's better, but I don't, it's not, it hasn't popped in, in, in my sphere like Breaking Bad did. I know there wasn't as much um, choice back then and that was like a cultural phenomenon. It was Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, you know what I mean? They were the big, the big hitters. But how, how come I'm not at work and someone's going, God, better call salt, it's the best, it's the best. Because like many others, they saw the first few episodes. I'm like, this isn't Breaking Bad. So, mm, so in general, on Metacritic, it's got a series meta score of 84. That's and strong. A, and a user score of 9.2. That's way strong. Yeah. That's Rotten Tomatoes is 97, 8.7 wow. out of 10 on IMDb. But I'm right, though. You don't hear it in like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, the zeitgeist. It took me two attempts to watch it because I watched the first. That's not a good. That's not a good two episodes, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, I'm not really feeling this." Dropped off it, 
and then started hearing good things again about it, and I went back to it, and then I realised, yeah, yeah, yes. I, I, tr- I tried it when it first came out. I think I bounced off after four episodes, but mm. it, it it suffered kind of. I think I think it must just be a Vince Gilligan thing because I did the same with Breaking Bad. Like Breaking Bad's setup is so slow and takes you mm. so long to actually get into it. I think Better Call Saul has the same problem, so I really should go back and like persist with it because I do want to watch you it. Should it's? I mean, it still brings in like like you say, it's got the likes of Gus Fring in it, who is just you know the best. He's buddy. incredible. He's so good. I should be all over it because like and, Vince and Gilligan did how... some of my favorite X Files yeah. episodes and stuff like that. It, it, it goes into how it's not just about Saul; it's now showing their stories. So it's now showing the war between Fring and the Salamancas. Ooh. It shows you how Hector became got into the wheelchair and all that. It, it, it's yeah. filling you in those kind of backstories, but not in a way that's just like, oh, do we need to see this? It works. It really yeah. does work. And there's like one particular episode in the desert, which is just so fucking good. Mm. And um, yeah, it's up there, really is up there. And yeah, like I said, try and push past the first series. I know it's such a crap thing to say. It's like, Oh, you get past the first series because then you'll enjoy it because it's still what like. Well, Game of Thrones didn't have a first good, a good first season. I know, but it, you're still talking like God knows how many hours of TV. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, ten hours of TV to it, get by. But it's worth it because it sets up those relationships and you see where he was at the start to where he is at the end, and especially that relationship with him and Kim because that has changed so much from the start to where it is now. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you've brought it up because it I like when people talk about it because it reminds me to kind of kick into gear and just get it over and done. With. I know it sounds like I'm I'm being defeated and just just watch. I'm not being stubborn and not watching it. <laughs> it's just it's one of those things that once you like you know stick myself. Once you've watched, it, you're like fucking hell. You know how did I not watch that before? Sort of thing. You know it will just blow your mind. It will blow. Yeah, your mind the thing that stops it. me is not the actual show. It's the fact that I didn't adore Breaking Bad. I didn't dislike it. I, I just thought it was good. Do you know? Do you know what but I this mean? This actually works without Breaking Bad as well. It's like its own entity as a show. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously got the winks, the knocks, knockbacks, and that to the series. But you could actually kind of almost watch it without knowing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Breaking yeah. Bad as well. It is that good. Yeah, mm. you could you could start this without even having seen Breaking Bad, and you wouldn't even you won't miss anything. I might just bite the bullet like, and watch it. Two core turns up. Like the second episode or something, on the twins turn up at at one point, and it's like if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad, just you, you know you wouldn't think anything about it. Mate, I forgot so much about that. I only I only remember the chicken restaurant and the fly episode and stuff like that. And Breaking <laughs> Bad, I don't remember much of it, but yeah, I feel like watching Breaking Bad after I finish this last series of Better Call Saul when it's done. Yeah, I've watched Breaking Bad twice now. I don't know if I could watch it a third. I do appreciate it. It's really good. Mm. Oh, well, excellent. Um, Better Call Saul, yeah. Um, I hope if you've not watched it, it, it inspires you a little bit. Um, <clears throat> it might inspire me. I'll probably forget about it again in a week. Probably. But let's move on to Gadget. What's yours? Well, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Because I'm talking oh, about Frasier. Yes. <laughs> uh, Frasier is one of the most legendary sitcoms to come out of the US. Um, My favourite it- one. Yep, it was a spin-off of uh, Cheers. Cheers. Following Dr. Fraser Crane after his divorce from his wife, um, which has played out throughout the last couple of seasons of Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and his decision to move back to his native Seattle rather than living in Boston. Yep. Um, to be closer with his family and to start a new career rather than being a private practice psychiatrist, being a radio psychiatrist. Yeah. Because that seems like a sensible course of action for anybody. 
Uh, it stars Kelsey Grammer as the titular Frasier. Um, his brother Niles is played by David Hyde Pierce. His father is played by John Mahoney. Uh, Martin Crane, who is possibly the best character in it. Maybe the dog, Eddie. Um, Ross. Also, his radio producer, Ross, is played by Perry, Perry Gilpin. And the... Um, the home care uh, nurse who is there to help John Mahoney's character with his disabilities is played by Jane Leaves. And it just centers around Frazier's desire to make his make his splash back in high society uh, in Seattle and try to be the man that he wants to be and kind of exploring his life as a single man, like a man who's been married for 15, 20 years. And he's a bachelor in his 40s. Single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who has to live with his father. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I mean, much I love the series, Frasier is the worst character in it. He is. All the other characters around him are significantly better. Stand, standout moments include um, when Ni- th- there is a cold open where Niles is getting ready for a date and he's in Frasier's apartment. And <laughs> it is the most wonderful piece. There's three minutes of physical comedy. There is not a line of dialogue yeah, uttered. Um, he's he, he he starts off. He's 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 got half his suit on. He's he's ironing his trousers, um, and he notices that there's that there's a thread that's been pulled from from his trousers. So he goes. He gets the sewing kit. Comes comes back over. Tries to thread the needle. Pricks his finger. There's a bit of blood. He passes out. But he's left the iron on top of the pants. The pants start to catch fire. He wakes up, <laughs> sees the finger again, falls back over, gets up. The pants are really on fire now. He takes them off. Tries to. It's just the most <laughs> wonderful clusterfuck of insanity that happens. And it, it lays it entirely without dialogue because yep. um, David Hyde Pierce is such a wonderfully gifted physical uh, comedian. You have uh, any sequence involving any of the radio station staff because they are mad. They, they are just these random collect because the, the, the radio station that Fraser works at, KSCL, is a talk radio station. And if you've ever encountered talk radio in America, it just, the posts on it are off their fucking trolley. So you get um, you, you you get a high society man who who sounds like a British actor and speaks like this. You get the sports guy bulldog who bulldog. walks around, walks, <laughs> walks around being the most horrendous misogynist and is somehow still funny with it. Yeah, um, yeah, I love Fraser. I love it so much. It's even though Kelsey Grammer himself is a bit of a bastard. Oh yes, and even though actual Fraser as a character is a bit of a bastard. Like everything about that show is just brilliant, and um, the more stories that they give to the side characters, the, um, the as the show goes on, it gets so much better. There's this kind of concurrent love story throughout where Niles is obsessed with Daphne, yeah, um, and he's like in love with her from the moment that he meets her, despite the fact that he starts off married to Maris at the beginning. Oh, the, oh, Maris, the, 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 the <laughs> never seen, often described Maris, <laughs> the, the haughtiest of haughty people in the world. Does, does she ever make an appearance? Because I, yeah, I, don't, I haven't uh, seen she, all of Frasier. No, no, she, 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 she never makes a physical appearance. The closest you get to it, there is a point where Maris has been, she's been indicted by the feds for something. I think it's like tax ev- evasion or something like that. Yeah. And their, and their solution to it is to, um, is to, is to hide her in a box of, of, um, of artwork that she's having shipped to uh, Canada. That's it. And, and, and you see this kind of crate in Niles' living room. And he, he says, darling, would you like a drink? And he like opens the air hole and puts like a glass with a straw up to it. And you see the liquid go down <laughs> in the glass. That's the closest you get to a physical representation of Maris. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, so, so you get this kind of this, this long running love story with Ed Niles chasing Daphne. And there, I think it's maybe the seventh season. No, maybe the sixth season or something like that, where he actually finally confesses his love to her at her yeah, wedding yeah. to somebody else. Yep. And um, it's the most heart wrenching scene. Um, 
and the actors play it so beautifully and so perfectly. I I, I love it so much. Um, and there and there is a drinking game with it as well because you because you have to try and identify the famous voices who ring into his radio show. And yeah, because there's a lot of them, questions. isn't there? Yeah. Usually at the end of each season, the, uh, like after the last episode of each season, during the closing credits, they'll say like "thanks for calling" and they'll have like you know yeah. whatever ninety stars. Like they've had Val Kilmer and David Letterman and Letterman and people like yeah. that ringing in. But because it's like you know it's a phone call, you can't really identify the voices. So yeah, it's mm. like, you know five points if you get it. <laughs> what I really love about Frasier is the fact that it's it's scrambling so hard to be like high society they're absolute dandies the pair of them oh like, yeah <laughs> it's so it's it's like the they're like metrosexual before metrosexual was a thing <laughs> it's it's there's a really good episode it's, it's one of the it, some of the episodes in Frasier um are like proper like like Ealing comedy style farces oh where, yeah where things just escalate there's a great episode where Frasier gets a, a wonderful connection for caviar yeah, the, the, this episode where they get this um this this caviar connection it, it, oh, it's so the greatest good. caviar that they've ever had. Can't get enough of it, and they're they're importing loads of it, loads of it. And there's a, and there's one point the connection because the, the the guy they're getting the connection from he's Russian, so it's all coming from the Caspian Sea. <laughs> and, um, and the guy's like, no, 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 we we, we can't do we can't do any more. It's like, but, but we need it. We've promised so much for this dinner party. <laughs> um, and the uh, it comes to the point where the two of them break into the boat in the harbor to try and get all this caviar. And I'm sitting there thinking, they've just broken into a Russian It's a mobster boat, isn't yeah, it? It's a, yeah, it's a mobster boat. And while they're in there, they've got their face full of caviar. Yeah. They've just broken into it. And then, and then the, the FBI raid it, and you've got this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful so image of, um, of, of Fraser and Niles with like caviar on their faces looking scared as like, the police like shine torches <laughs> on them. And they're not, obviously not there for like smuggled caviar, but it's, just, it's so funny and so ridiculous. I, yeah. I, I love it so much. It's way better than Cheers. Absolutely, like Cheers, I found a bit of a grind in places. Like there are some genuinely really funny moments. Cheers, in Cheers. is quite depressing though, because bear in mind that they're spending all day in that pub. These well, are yeah. not happy people. <laughs> yeah, they're not happy people, and also like just the storyline just kind of went nowhere. Like yeah, um, there are some good characters. Like Woody's Woody Harrelson's character was fucking brilliant in that. I loved Woody. Yeah. Um, and like actually, the thing is, in in Cheers, I didn't like Frasier. Lilith was funnier than Frasier. Yeah, hundred percent. Agree. Hundred percent. And um. But so I, when I, I mean, when I say I first heard about it, like it, I, it was on te- telly when I was a kid because it started it's on Channel in, Four like, every morning. Yeah, it was like nineteen ninety four. It was on. It ran for eleven seasons. Nineteen ninety three. It started. It ran for eleven seasons. Yeah, it was on every morning without without doubt. You always could catch Frasier. Yeah, and that, that, that those are the best bits of the morning. To be honest, you'd get yeah, Everybody Loves not. Raymond, which was shite, and then you'd get Frasier. Um, I've never watched Everybody Loves Raymond. I hate it. Ironically, I don't <laughs> love Raymond. Good. <laughs> never yeah. watched it but uh yeah i just i think for i think frazier is it deserves its place as like a, a classic of the medium it's because to the I, point where people don't even realize it's a spin-off no I, yeah i think i think people just think it is its own thing yeah um which must be really confusing when they get to the episodes where like the like norm appears and like some and of the che- cheers i'm sure woody harrelson them. turns up on one of them doesn't he yeah woody harrelson turns up on like two yeah. or three of them and then there's one yeah. where they go to the airport and it's um it's uh the guy with the must the male man with the mustache yeah cliff, cliff. it's his birthday yeah. at the airport or something like that or his retirement yeah. party i say like, what do people think of those episodes yeah i feel like i should give it a go because um yeah i don't think you need to out, watch it, cheers no i'm not gonna bother watching cheers but like when it was out, like you said, it was in the 90s, and I was obviously... A kid. 
a kid and, to, and I was seven when it started getting into my teen years so was I. and it's just like I was 34 I, and I used to <laughs> <laughs> and I used to see it and just think it's just this highbrow uh, but that's the thing it's not about about middle-aged men it. and I was just like I'm not interested in that as I just never gave it the time yeah. of day it, it, so. it, it has it that's the thing that's the joke with it is it has this veneer of highbrow yeah but at the end of the day like the characters Fraser especially is the same as anybody else um, there's there's a ca- there's a cafe. One of the sets is a cafe that they go to is called Cafe Nervosa, and it's very posh and hoity toity. There's yeah. there's one episode where they have as a guest star Elvis Costello as a um, oh, yeah. as as a busker, and he's a really annoying busker. He's si- he is singing Rolf Harris songs though. He sings Tiny Kangaroo Down Sport, which is still weird to see at these days. But he's he's being really obnoxious, and Fr- and Fraser is doing everything in his power to get this man removed from his cafe. He wants his <laughs> silent sanctuary of this cafe. And he just looks like a cunt throughout. He just makes him look worse and worse. Elvis Costello, just by being a friendly, genial British man, makes him look worse and worse throughout by no effort of his own. But um, he, gets, he gets Niles on board. So Niles is kind of getting the song and he hands him an egg shaker. He says, you know, just shake the egg in time with the song and all that. And Niles <laughs> is getting into it. He's singing Tiny Kangaroo Down Sport. And uh, he's getting faster and faster. And he just goes, egg solo! And um. And Niles just starts doing the flamenco with the egg, with this like rat with the egg shaker, and it's it's funny as fuck. I love it so much. <laughs> it, is, it is really. It's also uh, brace yourself because it's one of them uh, shows where they say, "Oh, I hate living here," but then you look at the flat, and it's the oh, most yeah. beautiful flat. You <laughs> yeah, like ever has, has, a, has a view of the Space Needle and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's one of the most exclusive addresses. A, in, a lot um, of American shows do that. It's like, oh god, my life's so bad. It's like. You're married to Kate Beckinsale or somebody. Do you know what I mean? How could it, how yeah. could life be bad? It it it's even come to the point. I love the show so much. Like I, I I've co-opted one of Fraser's many um, linguistic ticks into my own dial into my own dialogue with Pip. Because if she does something to pretend offend me, uh, I will do the "How dare you!" That um, Kelsey Grammer will belt out when someone offends. What are you going to do? Like Pip, you fool. Yes, yes, exactly. How dare you? Like, stuff like that. I was going to say, what, like Mr. T or something? Sort of, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it, because the, the thing is, and I think, it, the I think it's what works for the role as well. Kelsey Grammer overacts it so much when he's always to... chewed the scenery. Everything. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and it works for that role because he is shown as being this kind of outlandish figure. Like, he's never particularly genuine in it. Whereas the the other characters around, I mean, Niles is a bit over the top as well. But like like Martin and Daphne and Roz, yeah. they're all very down to earth people, and they 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 all kind of anchor Fraser in the real world when he wants to be going to the most exclusive restaurants or drinking the poshest <laughs> champagne or, um, yeah. And to say that Fraser and Niles are both doctors, they're not very clever. They're not I, streetwise, are they? Oh no, not in the slightest. But they they they're, they're very. They're very out of touch with reality. I they're think, well read and stuff. They're, they're academically clever, but they're not. Yeah, yeah, they're not in touch with society. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Frasier, do watch it. I guarantee you will enjoy it. The only thing I will say is because it is a show from the nineties, there are a few episodes where things haven't yes. aged well. Yes. Um, as an example, there is an episode where Patrick Stewart guests as a mm-hmm. as a very flamboyant gay play direct uh, playwright. Um, and as you can imagine, just from my initial setup there. He starts hitting on Fraser because he thinks Fraser is gay. Because he's a dandy. Because he's a bit of a fop and a dandy. Yeah. And yeah, the humour is not great in episodes like that, but it's it is few and far between. But you will occasionally get an episode where it's just like, oh, oh, no. Yeah, it's, very it's not 90s. shocking. It's it's just a bit. Ooh, shouldn't say that. A bit uncomfortable in twenty twenty one. Absolutely. And from that, I'm going to go into mine, which um, will offend you. 
in every way possible. Um, I want to talk about the film Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit <laughs> Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. I love the title of that film. It's, I hate the film, but I love the title of that great film. It's a spin-off. It's a spin-off from the Ali G so show. Um, we all know who Borat is. I don't have to explain to you. I'm not going to do the accent. Thank um, Christ. Because it's not a Kazakhstan accent. <laughs> but um, it's, the main thing is the story that it came from. Like We all remember the Ali G show, or the Ali G show. And obviously it was Ali G, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen going around mainly talking to really, really um, not down with society politicians. <laughs> and racist, lots of racists. Lots of racists, lots of racists. Lots of homophobes <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, lot, lots, yeah, really, really bad people. So you don't feel bad because he's always interviewing bad people. No. Um, and in the Ali G show, there were sketches with Bora and Bruno. They were so good. And... Everyone always said, you know, the Borat ones, they're really, they're better. They're better because um, I think they are. Like, they did an Ali G movie, which was yeah. shit because they put a story to it and everything like that. And then Borat came. And wow, the cultural impact of Borat to this day still, and I'm not talking about the sequel because I didn't like that, but the Borat film, it, 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 I forget, it, it blew everyone away. The fact that it was made with, um, what, what is that? Um, $18 million budget and it grossed in its first year $262 million Yeah, <laughs> from a movie that half of the people watching it probably didn't even understand that that's not a real guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I Kazakhstan think, doesn't look like that <laughs> no I think uh, the, the thing I said at the beginning I hate Borat what I hate is the fact that every, everyone did the whole my life thing and like yeah. imitated yeah. him so much that he became this it hit like, hard, pe- pe- though, didn't it, in society? Yeah, just- yeah, people missed what the parody... Like, I like what he does with Borat. I yeah. like the parody of yeah. Borat. Um, I like the fact that... And it's, it is partly down to Sasha Baron Cohen's way of interviewing people. Mm-hmm. He can get people to say some really heinous shit. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. like, and like he reveals like the racists and the and the horrible people of this world. Yeah. He's very Sometimes good he does this. actually... He admits it. He sets them up. But if you've got that mindset yeah. anyway, who yeah. cares that he's set you because up? Because he, he goes in with a character who, yeah. in all intents and purpose doesn't like Jews yeah. and doesn't like um, homosexuals and things like that. So yeah. he uses that character to his advantage. To kind, so yeah, to his advantage, he'll say something which will prompt them to mm. then go off on something. Yeah. Like, and he's just like, yeah. great, I've got my clip there. Like, Yeah, and the, Bo- and the Bora character is very good for doing that because especially with, like, with the film when he's in America, mm-hmm. like a lot, of, a lot of Americans see would have seen Borat before they knew what the gag was. They would have seen the character as this 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 country rube from another country, mm. like, yeah. like he, he's not sophisticated. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's a bit of an idiot kind of thing. Yeah. When really, mm. it's you know, it's obviously Sasha Baron Cohen. He's an incredibly clever man. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, the TV series when he's at the dinner table and he's learning about manners. Oh, oh yeah, God, that was yeah. Fun. And she, he says, "Oh, I need to use the toilet." Oh, that's the film. Just say, excuse yourself. He did it in the TV series. Yeah, he did. He did. He did do a few of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when he goes off and then he comes he brings back, the poo back. He goes, I did this shit. <laughs> he brings the poo back. This he says, cool. um, and he puts it on tape. What do I do with this? <laughs> Just it's so oh. good. But the thing so is, obviously, good. for that kind of thing, you have to. These people have to sign something afterwards, clearly, to be in the film. Well, so. a lot of them don't, and that's why they're blurred out. <laughs> yeah, but I just his ability. He's the, and honestly, the balls on the guy to go and stand in the middle of a rodeo and sing non. 
sing made up lyrics about Kazakhstan to the American <sighs> national anthem yeah. in the middle of like Yeehaw country. I'm just like, wow. Like with, with lyrics like <laughs> we are the greatest exporter of plutonium or, or potassium or something. Yeah, like Kazakhstan that. is the best country in the world. No other country is better and stuff like that, yeah. but to the tune of the American national anthem. Yeah. It's like, wow. He's he is a brave man. I mean, he was a lot braver in Bruno. He nearly got killed in Bruno. Yeah. But I'm not talking about that today. I didn't um, like Bruno. But um it's just the fact that like he got any I don't think it's mean spirited. It's kind of showing that there's a there's a, there's an educational issue in the countries he visited, mainly America. Where like oh, totally. he's, he's saying stuff like, Yeah, I'm from Kazakhstan and like, Oh, Europe No, Kazakhstan's not in Europe. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and they're, they're not understanding and, and the beginning bits of the film obviously is just it's just it's it's all acting like when the running of the Jew and stuff like that and uh She's my sister, that kind of thing. Yeah, I've just I done his v- accent. I, I said I wasn't going to do it, but I've done it. Like, I get a VCR, he gets a VCR. Yeah. Because he can't get a VCR, he can't afford it. So it's yeah. just like, yeah. But that's all acting. But then <laughs> when 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 he, he, he goes with uh, Azamag Bagatov, his, uh, his partner, and <laughs> they've got the, 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 the gate cr- that the crash. Oh, that, <laughs> that, <laughs> I remember being the cinema in that. The present, when the gate crashed the presentation naked and stuff, and they have that wrestling, that 69 in, and it's just... It, but that wrestling scene goes on just that little bit too that's long. The joke, so though, everyone isn't gets it? really uncomfortable. It's so good. So <laughs> it's good. the fact that one of them's an Englishman and one of them's an American man, both playing these Kazakhstan. fake Kazakhstan people that are not clearly from Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> and they're running about. It's just, oh my God. It's just, it is. There's, there's yeah, balls on it. There's, that, yeah. And the fact Literally. that he's got a real bear in an ice cream van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I can understand, like you say, it's um, I can completely understand say people from Kazakhstan being offended by him. Oh, and they, they were. were, they were, they they said, you know, this isn't a representation of Kazakhstan and and everything. Well, they filmed they it in Romania for one. Yeah, and but um, you know, anyone else that got offended by him that he set up can, if you said, if he set you up and you said some horrible shit, you know, like kind of fuck fuck off, yeah. like yeah, you know. Yeah, you said that. Like yeah. he didn't. It wasn't a script. It wasn't made up. It's like you actually think that, and he caught you out. And that was the best. That was one of the best things about it. it just yeah. shed light on people, and like you said, kind of shed light on there is a problem. Yeah, there is I'm, a problem. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm. I'm. He, he's saying there's a problem in this country, and there's a problem with a certain way of people are thinking. Yeah. And yes, I'm doing it in a stupid way, but I'm shedding light on this is a real issue. I and watched I watched an interview um with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen um like inside the actor's studio style interview a really highbrow interview and he's a very clever man and <clears throat> he talks really posh and stuff doesn't he as well yeah. he's like mm. really well spoken and he's saying he did that he did that obviously for the comedic slapstick value but he also did it for for the Americans to watch and go yeah we need to really address our educational system here yeah, we do need to sort something out cuz like like 80% of the population don't know other places outside North America and stuff like that, and it, that's an issue. Or other, they don't understand other cultures, and do you know what I mean? It's yeah, they've got a sport, a world baseball series that's set in America. Yeah, yeah that's their world. <laughs> and, like, Sorry to any Americans out there. This isn't well. Like, you know, like, like, yeah, I, I love Americans. I, 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 I watched it with, with my wife. She's American, and she was like, "Oh wow, this is so true." Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. This is think, oh, like yeah. She knows people like that. I, th- I, th- I think it's. I think it's also worth mentioning that Sasha Baron Cohen's done a very good job of taking what he did with Borat and then spinning that off into other things to to 
um, because obviously people get the gag of Borat now. Like he's a very recognizable character. You can buy Halloween. That's what the sequel plays on as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, like he, he had he had that series. I think I think it might I can't remember. It might have been just called This Is America. Um, yes. Yes. Which in, yes. Tw- in, in 2020, where he was, he was posing all different as a, characters, weren't there? It was a load of different characters. I think the main one was like a, like a military trainer guy from oh, yeah. that's right. from Beirut from Mossad, or something. A Mossad, Mossad trainer. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> um, and you know, he's he gets normal normal what quote unquote normal people mm-hmm. to reveal the darkest things about them through no effort of his own. Oh no. Um and when he doesn't get and he's also very good at when he doesn't kind of get that rise that he wants, he just makes them look like assholes. There's that bit there's that bit in This Is America where he's an ex con and he goes to that art woman, that art installation and says, Oh, I do art in my uh, I did art in my cell. It was just feces on the wall and she went, Would you like to do some art for me now? And he shits on a piece of paper and, and does, yeah. does some poo art. And she's like, yeah, it's brilliant. And she gives it a little smell and yeah. stuff like that. And she's like a well-to-do art yeah. critic. And it's like, like what it's, are it's, you doing? It's like, I think, like, it, it's like everyone says Darren Brown it, it knows people the best. Nah, it's fucking, it's Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. He knows Cohen exactly knows what the desired <laughs> result from somebody. Well, the fact that even before Ali G became famous, Ali G even tricked a few people when oh, he, yeah. he was playing that character with the early series. Yeah. You know, getting... I think one of my favourites is when he went to the, um, I think it's the police where they're handing the weapons in. Yes. <laughs> and, and they're in a room and he goes, oh, can I take this? And they're like, no, you can't take this away with you. Know? It's just, just being yeah. silly. It's silly humour, but it's just the fact that they really believed he was this guy yeah. from this, you know, educational TV channel. I mean, as, as Borat as well, he's, he's like, like I said, he is setting people up to reveal mm. shit things about himself, but he is also kind of, he does take the piss out of the ridiculousness of certain things like, you know, or the deputons and stuff in debuton in the, balls, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. in the uh, the second film, and like these things about oh, these women who train li- women to be proper ladies and things like that he goes <laughs> to those kind of things, and he's like, this is ridiculous. Do you not kind of see that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there is that element of piss taking, as well as that kind of highlighting issues, which yeah, does like really and, well and on the sequel when he when he goes to the uh, the Christian family planning clinic and. There's a lot that they, they they won't do because of the religious undertones to it, and 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 because of the language barrier. She's saying there's a baby inside me. It's a plastic baby. She just swallowed a baby. They just wanted to go to the doctors and get it removed, but they're saying we're not removing it. And she's and she's just like, I just want to get this baby out of me. And it's like, no, 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 we can't do that. We don't believe in that. And then, no, no, no. And then obviously it's explained that yeah, I swallowed a toy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A toy baby. And yeah, there's a language barrier and stuff like that, and it's it's kind of stems from like these trigger happy TV type things as well. There's a lot of them, isn't there? Yeah. It's um, it's that I've always thought to myself, I wouldn't react like that, but you never know. You don't know how you're going to react when someone's doing an on the spot interview. You've seen? Have you seen that Billy on the street? That guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen. He, yeah, he goes to people funny. and he'll say, "Who's your favorite, Matt Damon or Matt Damon?" And they'll go, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." And they don't Matt even Damon answer. will be stood right next to him yeah. as well while yeah. he does it. Yeah. Just to make it even more awkward. same answer for two people. But yeah. and, and they still can't answer it because it's like, oh, blah, oh, camera. But so, yeah. so, so, I feel sorry for some of them, but I just think as a spin-off from the Ali G show. It was I certainly think, significantly more successful than Ali G. He just, just blew yeah. up. And yeah, it, it, I'm glad it exists. I'm not too glad the sequel exists. It's a it's a really weird idea to think that Borat is an important film. It is with an capital important I. Film. <laughs> you know, it's like mm. and yeah. I, well, both, it is a both shame. Borat it is a shame. Got and like Oscars in my opinion, it's a shame. Nominations. It is, it is just 
like his his, his ire is pretty much faced against America, which mm. by no means is the worst place to be pointing your ire at all. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, there's, no. there's far Agreed. there's far more things you could be we could be discussing, and but we don't get into. But yeah, I just think Borat. It, it's like I say, as a spin-off, it it far surpasses the original material, and yeah, absolutely, it should yeah, exist, agree. and I love it. So let's move on to Good show. Biggie again to Ooh. the one you don't like, I believe. Uh, yeah, I've got two here, but they are related. Yeah, go for it, and it's, it's very short and begins. sweet. It's Jackie Chan's Adventures, the TV cartoon show. What? And Rush Hour, the TV series. Oh, because <laughs> neither of them should fucking exist. Rush, Rush Hour is not series. very good. The Rush like Hour Rush TV Hour. series is worse. It's so bad. Never it's it. just, why? I don't get it. Because first of all, you've got Jackie Chan famous for what he does, and they turn that into a cartoon, which doesn't work. And then you have Rush Hour, the TV shoes, which has neither of the lead actors. This is another lethal weapon issue. To make it really serious. Two people trying to perform a role that was clearly well played by Chris Rock and Jackie Chan. And they are not funny. They don't... Oh, it's just, you know, listeners... Go to Google when you're hearing this and just look at Google search Rush Hour TV. Series. Literally what I'm doing right now. The, look at the images on the right-hand side. And you just Fuck look me. at that and you just think, that is not funny. <laughs> okay, hang on. It is, oh, I'm sorry. Just, oh. Starring Justin Hayes, who I haven't heard of, and John Fu. It's just, it, look, it just... Oh, dear. <laughs> just no. Just no. And that's it. That's all I have to say. I bet they don't have that chemistry at all either that exactly. Tucker and Jackie exactly. Chan had. Like that's, I, what, I genuinely... that's what's good about those films. I mean, yeah, there is a lot of uh, problem problematic things with those films now, but like the the, the general chemistry that they them two had is brilliant. They were, it, exactly. You know, it was they were great when they came out. Very very funny. You had the fish out of water in both movies because they flipped yeah, they it. Flipped it didn't they? And the third one, I think, was they went to Paris in the third one. Oh, they were both yeah, out of one, which I that one together. I don't. I, I didn't like the Rush Hour films. I thought um, they both could have done better. Uh, I, I, like Chris Tucker for me is um, Ruby Rod in my in my head. Absolutely. And Jackie Chan is who am I? Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's... Yeah. First, <laughs> who am the, I? The first Rush Hour <laughs> film out. is 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 great. It's a seven out of ten romp. You know, it's it's yeah, it's exactly. it's not amazing, but it's really impressive. Mm. I'm just re- looking on the Wikipedia page here for the Rush Hour TV series, and I just love this description of John Fu's character. So he plays Detective Jonathan Lee, a strict detective from Hong Kong who is partnered with a brash detective from the LAPD, Detective Carter. He's based on the character Jackie Chan portrayed in the Rush Hour film series. Unlike the films, Lee does not carry a firearm on the job due to being haunted by having to kill someone in Hong Kong sometime before the series. Wow. <laughs> what a description that That's is. That's nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it, it was just a comedy romp. It was a buddy, buddy What's your beef with the that... Jackie Chan Adventures cartoon and the subsequent video games that it also inspired? Because it just doesn't work. It, it's... I like that cartoon, from... mate. With oh, the stones and uncle. It's just awful. I liked I just, it. it was like the Rambo <laughs> cartoon. It. Do you remember the yeah, Rambo? Yeah, yeah, I like Rambo as well. <laughs> it's just based on something that shouldn't be a cartoon. It just doesn't make sense. You've got the violence of martial art movies with Jackie Chan, which, you know, you have to be a certain age to watch in the first place mm. to a point. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, you turn that into a there cartoon. Ain't no, there ain't no drunken no master in Jackie Chan Adventures, is there? Well, in all fairness, <laughs> yeah. 
to the latter end of his career, Jackie Chan did go family friendly, didn't he? Yeah. Because he can't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he can't fall off scaffolding anymore. The the 90s were a terrible time for cartoon adaptations of things. The kitchen yeah. watch like there was there was a cartoon of the of the mask, which I know it's not a, it's not a grown ups film, yeah. the mask, but it's not really a kids film either. It's certainly not a kids film. Man. Um, and there was also a cartoon of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Was there? Yes. Yeah. Oh wow! Like adaptations. I mean, the anything. Ghostbusters cartoon was pretty good. Well, no, uh, the Ghostbusters cartoon Ghostbusters was was exemplary. That was brilliant. The yeah. real Ghostbusters. Yeah. But yeah, it's just I'm sorry. It just to me, there's just no logic in having that as a cartoon. And yeah, it, I found it really because I'm a fan of Jackie. You should Chan play the Game Boy game. It's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, really disappointed in both of those. Uh, so uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. We'll move on then to Stig. This guy. Okay. This guy's got so much hatred in him. Something <laughs> <laughs> shit deserves it. My my pick um, is the Alien versus Predator film. Mm. Franchise, yeah. first one, and Aliens oh, versus Predator Requiem. Oh, when when they give a name something Requiem, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Couldn't think of a, su- yeah. a, a subtitle. I'm out. Done. So we start with the first one, Alien versus Predator. They made it a PG-13. Yeah. It took two two R-rated sci-fi horrors, actions. Giant franchises. Giant, with with huge, you know, sci-fi baddies. Put them into a film and made it PG-13. Full of cheap, crappy jump scares and just off-screen deaths and a plot that made zero fucking sense. (laughs) So... I love the, the plot. We've talked about this before that, God, the, that the Predators of, like, invented pyramids. It... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like, oh it just, like, this, this film, the first one, it stars the unholy trinity of shit movie cliches scientists, mercenaries, and a rich guy. Antarctica. Oh, yeah. 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 The scientists are, are also really stupid. These, these top top scientists, but. Stupid to just spout exposition the whole time, <laughs> full of untrue facts. Like, I actually did a little bit of research on this. They talk about the Aztecs and Mayan calendars and stuff in them. Yeah, none of that fits, none of that makes sense no. in what they say. It doesn't actually work. And then the pyramid being in Antarctica why is there a pyramid in Antarctica? No one lives there. No, and like they, they actually mentioned this in the film about oh, people must have lived here at some point. No, apparently, the only time Antarctica was. Uh, habitable was about 25 million years before humans were around yeah yeah so why is that pyramid there why is it under the ice what what purpose is that pyramid serving and then they have all these other pyramids everywhere where like they just if if there's a there's a sequence where it tells about how if the aliens overwhelmed the predators predators would would, would blow the pyramid and every all you know the evidence because it's not like losing yeah Basically, so no, just so the aliens couldn't. Which you is know, set up in the, the first world. Predator film. I understand that. But why is it that then the Aztec and Mayan pyramids, Identical or Egyptian stuff. pyramids that are still here, do don't mention any of this? Yeah, and you've got they're oh, you've still, got to remember, still here, but like the Aztec pyramids, are actually younger than Cambridge University. That's a mind blower. That one. It's not that <laughs> long ago a civilization. Do you know what I mean? It's it's absolute crazy. You're thinking, is he wrong? I'm not wrong. Google it. Like, so they'd be over in a different continent and exactly. country where, like, we hadn't discovered yet. Yeah, exactly. the, the, the other thing, and I think this is probably more to the crux of the matter when it comes to Alien versus Predator, especially the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
why does it take place on Earth? Why would the Predators have the aliens Yeah, on that was Earth? another point I had. Yeah. Does it make sense? And it's, it's like... Is it, is it, is it still Weyland-Yutani as well? Well, no, well, no, it wouldn't be because it's set in like more contemporary times. It's oh, not yeah, set in, not future in the future sci-fi. Yeah. So like, like the alien it's films take place like three or four hundred years in the future. Where, yeah. spit, where, you know, space travel is more of a thing, you know, where, where people are traveling like transgalactically and stuff. Yeah. So it's just like... But okay, so you've got aliens on Earth, and people survive these films. Like, not everybody <laughs> dies in them. Someone would have said something. <laughs> you, you, you tell me. You come out of that ordeal. You see, you manage to survive this kind of uh, this this hunt, this interstitial hunt between predators and xenomorphs. You're not going to tell me the first thing that you're not going to do is going to run to someone and go, "You would not believe the shit I've seen." <laughs> <laughs> but like, don't the, go on the, that tour to Cairo in Egypt. Those pyramids, fuck that. The pyramid they actually has. The pyramid actually has all the story and the history because the use the exposition is there. The guy reads and he goes, "Oh, this happened every hundred years. This happens. So every hundred years, this happens." So like Gadget said, like every hundred years, people just forget. Where's the crater? <laughs> like yeah, and like but they, no, but the thing is, they don't always destroy the pyramid. They only do that if the aliens yes, yeah. are winning. If, if the hunt is is bad. But yeah, like I guess said, why do they need Earth? Why not just come and take people and like they are these people are sacrificing themselves if if the predators don't give a shit just come and adopt abduct people yeah. and just which they do on them. one of the films yeah <laughs> but for me to play devil's advocate i know i kind of get why they're coming to earth because the xenomorphs aren't the xenomorphs without a human host they look different yeah but that's what i mean they? they could they could take humans yeah. from earth yeah like they're they doing the, uh, this... is it predators yeah they don't yeah exactly take them to another planet don't world. They? yeah exactly hey, we've mm-hmm. come full circle on this podcast oh my yeah. god Oh my so, god! Time other is a things flat about circle. that because I need to get onto the second one as well. Yeah, go. Why is Lance, Lance Henriksen in this as human Wayland? <laughs> I forgot yeah, that he was a bishop. <laughs> so he was bishop. Yeah. Right. Uh, so if androids were meant to be a f- like a likeness and physical representation of Wayland, mm-hmm. why does Ian Holm exist? Why does Michael Fassbender exist? And I'm pretty sure at the end of Alien 3, that's the real bishop. Exactly. I was just about to say that. <laughs> the human bishop is in Alien 3. So why is he back on Earth clearly, in 2004? Clearly then, clearly, uh, Alien uh, Prometheus, they did discover how to stay alive forever. Because that was the plot of Prometheus. So it's no, spoiling, he's di- so. no, he's dying in Alien versus Predator because he did, Predator doesn't oh, attack shit, him. Yes. The Predator yeah. scans him and sees that he's so dying he and kill him. leaves him. But here's another thing about the Predators attacking. So they, they, the Predators land, mm. kill all the drillers and the people on top, yep. go down to the pyramids, but then don't kill the humans down there. <laughs> like the, the, the aliens get them and then and then they team up with them and it's like, it's just terrible. Oh shit, she teams yeah. up with a Predator to kill the Queen. She does, just start, she, she does. gives him his gun back and the, the Predator's just like... They have like, a bit of a romance, like the look age of like, yeah, girl. Yeah, because she kills, she kills <laughs> the... Um, I like your dreads. She kills one of the aliens, so the Predator's just like, gives her a mark and he's like, oh, you're battle already now, you're yeah, one, you're of, one us. of us. Yeah, you're one of us. Oh God, it's so bad. Yeah. And Requiem's fucking shite. Yeah, and there's a bit, there's, there's a bit in this film and a bit in Requiem where they try to draw back on previous films. So when she tries to, when she fights the queen alien at the end with the predator, yeah, she's like, "You are one ugly mother foot," but it's blanked out because it's PG, no <laughs> yeah. swearing, yeah. so she can't say fucker. And then the end, it ends with an alien bursting out of a predator that they take. Alien, the, predi- the predators land, take back the predator that died, and he's been impregnated with a. Um, by a face hugger. Yeah. So now it becomes a alien slash predator hybrid. 
Mm. And this leads us on to Requiem. <laughs> Which is worse. <laughs> Which is, it's just, I mean, like Goodall said, the fact that it's called Requiem, and actually this is called Aliens versus yes. Requiem. Aliens Predator, versus Predator. Rather than Requiem. just Alien versus Predator. So this film begins pretty much exactly where the last oh, film yeah. takes off. Immediately. The alien Predator hybrid has killed everyone on ship, and the ship crash lands in this town. Let me just say, we are spoiling this for you so you don't have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> No one is going to watch this film unless they've watched it already because it's fucking terrible. So bad. But this time, because the fans complained about the PG-13, this one is R-rated. Too, too, but this one too much, R-rated. in my opinion. Yeah, this is R-rated to the point where it's just like, go, blood, swearing, yeah! yeah I don't it's like, <laughs> And they just forget about everything else that makes a good R-rated film. There is no structure, there is no story, there are no characters, There's there is the no There's horrible plot. hospital scene as well that shouldn't be in any film. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is just... It's just full of characters and side stories you give zero fucks about. I All the like... action is too dark and boring. You can't see what big fuck is going on. Like no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I just like the setup that it was in a town. Just the fact that it's got that escape from Precinct 13 kind of setup where it was kind of it's a small town. They're going to get absolutely fucked mm. over, but they just don't deliver it. It was like, Resident Evil too, wasn't it? it was it's, like yeah, that. the setup was there. It just it was awful. Yeah. It was just so badly done. Unlike so the other one where they tried to use your the, you are one ugly motherfucker line, yeah. this one goes for a get to the chopper. Tribute. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is really bad does not have any of the finesse or like nope. or like tension or anything that the Arnie film does at all. And it's I remember just with um, Requiem, um, Thomas Jane was attached to that, believe it or not. And was he? Yeah, and he, he, he backed out, so they got someone that looks identical to him but can't act. And then I believe Thomas Jane is in Predators, isn't he? Yeah. Is it, is, yeah, yeah, so yeah, they, they got him in the end. <laughs> Honestly, it's just, it's terrible. Like, they turned it into a shit B-movie slasher, which is yeah. more it's more akin to Freddy vs. Jason than either a Predator or an which alien Freddy vs. Jason, at least it's a laugh, isn't it? It's, it's well, a- Freddy vs. Jason knows what it's doing. Yeah, it's- this is trying to be serious, but comes across as just bad. <clears throat> and it ends with the government bombing the town <laughs> to stop the aliens and the Predators. They just kill everyone. Yep. Yeah. But it's okay because our heroes from the film escaped, but everyone else in the town says, you are dead. And it's like, <laughs> and actually, I, um, it sets it up for a third one as well. Which we never got. No, oh, finally. Fuck. But um, yeah, Alien versus Predator, just both films, absolute terrible spin-offs. I'm just, I'm just looking at it on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know the tomato score on it? 30. Oh, 14. 12. I think you got it right, 12. Oh, yeah, an audience score of 30. But again, what I like to do with Rotten Tomatoes, as I've done this a couple of times when we've talked about shit films, is the you might also like section of this one. <gasps> so if you like Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, you might also like Doom. Um, <laughs> I, that was mentioned last time, yeah, wasn't it? I Know Who Killed Me. Or Blade Trinity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what yeah. a fourth one. Blade 2 is, the, is an exceptional movie. Blade Trinity. <laughs> Is fucking hot shit. It's garbage, <laughs> man. It's fucking terrible. Don't watch the AVP spin-offs. Don't watch Predators. Don't watch The Predator. Just watch Predator, Aliens, Alien. Alien. That's it. Uh, that's it. You're done. It was a talking Predator in the last one. What have they done? Oh, let's not. You, let's... you can get... It was talking. You can oh get away God. with Predator 2. It's not as good as the first one, but it's not awful. I like Predator 2. I've oh. not seen Predator in a long time, but it's it just doesn't hold up, mate. Doesn't you watch live it again. up to 
Predator. No. But yeah, uh, let's move on to, we're on to Gadget now, I believe. Yes. So um, I am going to talk about the, the, wor- the worst possible spin-off for one of my favourite things ever. And this is uh, Scrubs Med School. Oh, fuck. Um, or, okay. so, or depending on where you are in the world, it is often referred to as season nine of Scrubs. Why, now, why is that? Because they realised that a spin-off wouldn't would, be, would bomb, so they tried to tack it onto sort of, No, sort of. It was when so Scrubs last season, it, it, uh, its eighth season was rescued by NBC. It was it was dropped by um, ABC after the after the writers' strike, and it was picked up for the last season by NBC, and they basically tacked on they kind of wanted more than one season out of it but bill lawrence the the showrunner and the writer of it was like no no we've ended jd's story here and the ending of scrub season eight like the end of jd's story always makes me cry it's a beautiful ending it's one of the best endings of any sitcom i've ever ever seen but you know nbc contractually obliged them to do one more season so it became scrubs med school and this spins off to um to as as the title would say, a, a med school where it's very tangentially linked. It's not at Sacred Heart Hospital anymore. It's not in the any familiar locations. The only kind of main recurring characters that come into it are uh, Doctor Cox and uh, Turk. They're in the entire season, this entire single season that came of this. Mm-hmm. Um, JD's in it for six of the thirteen episodes, and uh, Elliot appears and the janitor appears every so like as little guests cameo spots but it basically takes the exact same formula of scrubs whereas you have a kind of awkward dorky lead character this one's uh, a, a woman called lucy played by kerry bisher um the story is delivered through narration through her own internal monologue it gets a little bit weird it, it deals with a lot of kind of her personal anxieties and her like issues as like a med student being quite overwhelmed with what she's being tasked with which is kind of how the first season of first couple of seasons of scrubs did it with J, with jd's internal monologue and it just was shit it wasn't yeah. funny none of the characters were engaging <laughs> the only kind of reasonably good thing that came out of it was uh, uh, it was the first big thing that dave franco did yeah um he played uh, cole um in pretty much the kind of the Turk role, he was this kind of very hotshot surgeon wannabe kid. Uh, absolute thick as mints, proper idiot, but very skilled surgeon. And yeah, it was just dull. None of the characters were engaging. None of them were interesting. None of them had any real redeeming features. The, there is one of the characters, and I'm trying to find the cast list, um, uh, played by uh, Eliza Coop, um, called uh, Dr. Denise Mahoney. Um, Mahoney or Mahoney? Mahoney. Uh, and she was a she was a holdover from Scrub season eight. She was one of the recurring doc, um, young doctors in Scrub season eight, and she becomes a teacher in Scrub's med school. And the problem is, her character's a proper asshole. Like she she's a, I think they've tried to position her as a, a, like a kind of a pseudo Doctor Cox, where she's brash and she's like unlikable, but with a kind of a heart of gold, like wants the best for people. But she doesn't have the heart of gold, bitch. She's just a dick. And yeah. the thing is, I like the actress. The actress was, uh, she played a very funny character in Happy Endings and she's played a lot of very funny characters in other sitcoms. But in this, she's just completely unlikable. Um, she worked in Scrub Season 8 because you only saw her for maybe two minutes an episode. She would just kind of like 
pop in at the end of a JD thought or something like that. And she worked as this kind of weird brash character that he would have to deal with as well as dealing with Dr. Cox. But no, nah. it was just really bad. And also with a tangential link, the showrunner for this, Bill Lawrence, was the showrunner for the Rush Hour TV series. I just realized that when I looked there it up on go. Wikipedia before. <laughs> um, but he has redeemed himself because he is the showrunner for Ted Lasso. So he, he, okay. he's, he's made it right. He, he's done good again. Got better. He got mm. better. What I, what I really didn't like about it as well was like, they just tried to redo JD. Yeah. Like, it was like, let's take JD, but make him a female. Yeah. So I love you saying these something names. New. Don't, just, don't, just make, just don't just make a copy of JD, but make it female. That doesn't work. That's not like new and exciting. No. That's just a really shit way of doing something. Do something new with her character. Make her something other than... JD. Is Scrubs yeah, like, genuinely just, good then? Scrub, oh, Scrubs, 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 great. Scrubs season Scrubs. one to eight is absolutely brilliant. The odd mm. duff episode here and then, but it's like a twenty-four. Everything's got a duff tw- episode. Tw- yeah, twenty-four episode seasons. Like they're going to have the, yeah. the odd, the odd clanger. But like, like but, you talked about it the other, the other week. I think you brought yeah. Scrubs up about some heartbreaking scenes. That the, the, the story is particularly surrounding. Um, God, what's his name? From guy from the Mummy. Oh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Brendan Fraser. Like, stuff around his yeah. character. Wayne Johnson. But, no, is, Brendan Fraser. Um, Brendan Fraser. No, Brendan Fraser's character. Yeah, it is absolutely, yeah, proper good stuff. That yeah, um, sat but, but, in the middle of this com- stupid comedy show. It just it feels like it has no right to be there, but it just works so well. Yeah, and and, and I will say as well, like Scrubs Med School, it misses all of the emotional beats of the main Scrubs season. Mm. Like it tries them. You can see a few points where like um, where Lucy has to deal with her first patient death and stuff like that, or. Um, where some characters break up with each other, get into a relationship and then break up with each other. It just misses every beat. It's just not as competent at what it does. Um, and it's really hard to take as well because because Lucy is such a carbon copy of JD, any scene where any scene in those first six episodes where the two of them are talking to each other is so disingenuous because you have JD who by that point is like in his mid to late 30s the character like the, you you first meet the character in scrubs when he's 24 he's just out of a med school the intern he's, type thing yeah he, he yeah yeah you meet him as an intern he's just out of med school he is awkward as all 24 year olds are going into like a, a serious job you know mm-hmm. um he's awkward he's trying to be funny he's trying to be likable trying to get people to like him not really believing in himself Lucy's doing exactly the same, but she's like three years younger than that. She's 21 in this. And you've got JD acting the same as he was in early Scrubs with a character who is a copy of him in early Scrubs. And the two just, it is just really grating to watch because JD should be acting older. He should be acting like a teacher and she should be still acting like a student. And then you've got these two characters just doing the same thing at each other. And it's really fucking annoying to watch. So Please, please, whatever you do, don't watch Scrubs Med School. Watch through Scrubs. Believe me, it's great. <laughs> Get to the end of season eight. When you hear Peter Gabriel's The Book of Love, that's when you know that that's, oh, all, you, that's all you need. Oh, honestly, even if even if you just what watch the end, go on YouTube, Oodles, because I know I know you like to know the ending of things because you I read do, the last I page do. of the book first. Oh, make him watch it all. No, but watch it all. But, <laughs> but, but seriously, just watch how they do his last scene. It's so good. Well, no, there's so a last beautiful. scene, so I may as well oh, just yeah, watch fucking it now. Out. I forgot about him going to the last page of books. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's, a, it's a choice. It's a choice. <laughs> yeah, Scrubs Med School, just fucking don't. <laughs> I won't. Excellent, excellent. So um, what I want to talk about, it's a bit like Biggie. I've got, it's kind of a, a twofer, a twofer-one. It relates to a friend of mine. I'm not going to name him because I don't want to. <laughs> Fair enough. And... 
it relates to the fact that we had a bit of a um a console war together um growing up um i was mr playstation and he was mr xbox and this happened twice in his lifetime when we were really younger when i was playstation 1 and he was nintendo 64 he said to me he goes you've got to you've got to come to my house um i've got this amazing game you've got to come play it you will love it I went, all right, okay. Last time he said that, it was Super Mario 64, and he was right, it was good. This time I went in, it was a game called Hey You Pikachu. (laughs) 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 Wow, and I was a big fan of the Pokemon games on Game Boy. And this, this um, is not a game. (laughs) It's basically shouting at Pikachu, jump. Pikachu, do this. It is absolute garbage. Uh, surprisingly, it has a 57 meta score rating. Um, some people saying at least it's getting kids to stand up and scream at the telly when it doesn't understand their accent. Um, I thought it meant 57 people have played uh, maybe, it. Maybe, but it's just it, it's just absolutely bad. And I've got some quotes. Um, someone from EGM said, even if you dig Pikachu's act, the game is ultimately a spirit-crushing, mind-numbing exercise in tedium. That was the, <laughs> probably the, the the finest quote I could uh, find for that. And the reason I brought that up is because years later, I was uh, Mr. PlayStation and he was Mr. Xbox. And he said, Oodles, I've got another game. You need to come and play this game. It's incredible. I went, all right, okay. Maybe three, three times a charm, third time's a charm. This game was called Dead or Alive Extreme Volley- Beach Volleyball. <laughs> I think you need to rethink your friendship with this lad. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm still really good <laughs> friends with him now. Uh, <laughs> here's the Play Magazine quote. I never thought watching could be so engulfing. These models are truly extraordinary. The breasts are wonderful, along with the shoulders, thighs, and faces. Of course, but, you do have any, do, but do you have any idea how difficult it is to model armpits? They are perfection. 90 out of 100. He got a 90 out of 100 in Play so Magazine. Just a game for perverts. Oh, suddenly feel very dirty listening to that review. Yeah. They're going to need a um, shower. It's got a meta score of 73. Now, I remember playing this game, and apart from the fact that I've said, yeah, man, the graphics are really good. Wow. Um, yeah, look at all these um, polygons. Uh, let's just call them. And the actual game of volleyball is not good. No. It's not good in this. Uh, the controls. I don't think they actually would care. The controls about that, are a bit shit. And he was like, "No, no, but there's there's a camera mode where you can be a cameraman." I'm like, "Dude, look at the boob physics. <laughs> this is this is shocking." And I, I really like Dead or Alive as a fighting game. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, this was oh my <laughs> god. I mean, I mean, Dead or Alive and Tekken and those games they're quite risky already. Yeah, with the female yeah. characters and the and the costumes. It just yeah. takes it to another level. Like, it's I mean, just, mm. I mean Dead, Dead or Alive Five does have a team of about thirty people that do boob physics. Like, <laughs> who build the tooling for the game to have the physics for like? Now I get. Body I, I get. There's a tran- There's a lost in translation aspect. Um, is there? It, no, well, not really. But <laughs> in Japan, there is more of a emphasis on that kind of um, aversion. Aversion. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Over here, they market it as an extreme beach volleyball game. Bear in mind, at the time, there was outlaw volleyball. There was other volleyball. Was, it had a little bit of a renaissance for some reason. It did. And yeah. I think it was due to the fact that they could um, do the physics better, mm. let's just say. I and, think it might be down to uh, 
Australian Olympics. Could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Could have been. But um, I was burnt twice by this um, friend of mine. And to be honest, I just think as a spin-off, it just fails in... It's just saying, look, we've got some really good-looking... Because there is a story to Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball where one of the male characters has bought an island and he's invited the ladies to come down and compete. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and is it Enter the Dragon? Yeah, it's like a bit like Enter the Dragon. Yeah, but, <laughs> but there's no volleyball. Fighting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the island of Dr. Moreau starts. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and and there, there, there has been sequels to it, and people still buy them. And people are saying, we need it, we need it on Switch, we need it on Switch. Fuck off. We don't. <laughs> there's only one reason why you need this. And this is a world where, I'm sorry to say it, but Pornhub exists. It's yes. free, and the comment section's incredible. Don't <laughs> pretend that you like beach volleyball or a pageant contest or arranging uh, sun cream on... Do you know? <laughs> it's just... It's just listeners, listeners, as Oodles is describing this, his face is getting redder and redder. <laughs> because it's just a It's because I'm trying game. to, like... It really is. I'm trying to justify it, like... Why? No, I, I, don't we've had a <laughs> No, because in 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 when I play games, I don't I don't do the romance options because I like to keep it separate. I've, we've talked about this before. Yes, I like to keep the romance separate from my. You game. don't like to romance an alien. No, I don't, and I, I really don't. And I, <laughs> that's a whole different yeah, topic. That, is a that. Different topic, and I don't like to. I don't, if let's say I'm I'm Geralt of Rivia, I'm busy fighting. I'm a consummate professional. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I ain't romancing. Yeah. <laughs> and this this game is just it lit. Oh, it's wanking simulator. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. And Strong contender. You, you, you love a good simulator game, though. So. <laughs> I, I do love a good simulator game. And I, I bear in mind, I was at home playing Metal Gear Solid Three and and like Zone of the Enders. These absolute epics. These great games. These, you know, from from the same country, doing it better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there'll be people listening now going, "No, no, Extreme Beach, beach Volleyball is really good game. It's a really good game." You're lying. <laughs> it's not the graphics are brilliant even today for, by today's standards there's still really good graphics like there's some good water physics and other physics but it's just <laughs> it's just a bad spin-off man and hey you Pikachu fucking hell if anyone can even defend that you're just you're just fanboying it's not good and I love I love Pokemon do you know what I mean it's just bad so yeah that's they're my pick I've got nothing more to say and I'm I'd really want some feedback on extreme volleyball because I I don't even think the sequels even were volleyball games. I think it just dropped that after a while. It just became extreme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it, yeah, it hasn't got that involved. Yeah, I just I I just I, <laughs> oh, I really yeah. I think that's all I've I've got anyway. So before we go on to our uh, mailbag, we've got a little bit of a challenge now that we we. Think of spin-offs that we could create, that we would we would love to see out there. And we'll start with you, Stick. Great. So my spin-off is actually a book. Um, oh. For those of you who've noticed or heard back in our original episode when we talked about our favourite books, my favourite series is The Three World Cycles by Ian Irvine. Yeah. Uh, currently, this sits at 16 books. So now you're probably thinking, why does a series with 16 books need a spin-off? It's because these 16 books all kind of take place on one world. So the book is called The Three World Cycle, 
but the majority of the story is on one world. We don't really see any... We, we know about the stories and kind of have a bit of history about the things that happen on the other worlds, but there's no stories actually set there. So you have the main world of Santhana. But uh, one of the main characters in the first four books and then later in the series is Rulki, who was the leader of the Sharon. And he defeated all the enemies in the void and figured out a way to invade one of these worlds called Arkan. And him and 99 other Charons, 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 um, they invaded the world and took it for themselves. So 100 warriors were able to take control of a whole world. That's how strong these these guys were and i want a spin-off series about those stories Ah. i want to know about what happened in the void how he became how they were the enemy of the mergeron how they defeated all their enemies there how they traveled to these other worlds and then there's a lot of story good yeah and then leading this all the way up to the when his betrayal from shutta when they went from arkan to santhana and his eventual defeat and imprisonment. So right there, you have at least a trilogy worth of books and stories. Now, Ian Irvine is going back uh, to do another set of novels set on Santana, but it's set, it's a prequel to his second set of books. But this is a spin-off. I really want to see Rolke and the Charon and all their adventures, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... it, thing is, it's not out of the realms of possibility either. It's something that could no, it could absolutely happen. But yeah, that's I like it. I like it. Yeah. Also, quick mention: it came to me while we we're talking through this. I think I'd love to see young Scully and Hitchcock from Book and Nine Nine. Oh yes, I would love to see that. Yeah. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, but a Best young character. version, <laughs> a, TV, a TV show of the young Scully and Hitchcock yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, I think well, that's they, they, Yeah, they do a few flashbacks to the, to them being you like, do, yeah. in their in their prime <laughs> and they're very funny. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Excellent. So Gadget, have you thought of anything? Yeah, um f- first of all, just uh, just just picture the scene. Take Ellie, Tommy, Joel, Abby. Stick them in go karts and call it the fast of us. Oh man. <laughs> 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 Crash Team Racing, but done with the Last of Us yeah, characters. Yeah, and a few clickers uh, no. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no. The, the 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 one I kind of wanted was it's a little bit in the same vein as what what Stig was talking about with this kind of favorite book series. But um, thinking of stuff, other stuff you could do in the universe for um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because oh, yeah. Douglas Adams set up so much stuff that could be riffed upon. There's like mm-hmm. mentions mentions of just like you know, there's a Galactic Council and uh, like uh, Galactic Council in the same vein of like your local parish council, you know? Um, you've got stuff like the improbability drive causing insanity. You've oh, got God, the, whatever yeah. random trail of destruction Zaphod Beeblebox has left in his career. There's just so much you could do in that universe. So I, I'd like, whether it would be in books or in TV series or video games or anything like that, like just any any spin-offs you could take in that universe um, centered around, obviously, the guide itself and the insanity that could be caused with it. Um, yeah, I would just really like more stories done from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy universe. I think you have a lot of scope. There's a lot of authors out there today and, and a lot of TV writers and showrunners who could do it justice, I think. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, bear in mind, like, the film version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is pretty good. I like given, it. I think it's yeah, good. Yeah. Given that they condensed a very, very funny, but also slightly outdated humour book into a film that is entertaining enough to watch in 2005, you know, it's like, 
It wasn't mm. the best film in the world, but it was it was. The great. audio drama is incredible. The audio drama is great. The um, well, that came before the book. Yeah, I did. Um, the TV series in the eighties that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, there is so much scope for things to be done in that it's world. A vast so. universe that you could just pick at. Could pick exactly out. yeah exactly and just take all these silly concepts you know re- refer back to the restaurant at the end of the universe yeah, yeah. Have, have a story following a disaster zone on a on a tour of destroying planets you know <laughs> the loudest band in the universe you you, you, you there's got to be a story in there somewhere yeah 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 i'm into that mate that's a really good yeah. shout yeah biggie yeah it's a quick one i just thought of it tonight actually <laughs> um, right. i happened to look up at my uh dvd collection and it made me think of band of brothers and I'd like to see one set in Vietnam or golf because I think there's a lot of scope for some true stories where they, you know, reenact what they did with the Band of Brothers. I think that would make it's a really, a really good, good TV shout, series. Man. Both. Did, didn't they already do one of those, like in the Pacific Theater? The Pacific, yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah it was still so. I, I think Vietnam War and the Gulf War, I think, are two obviously yeah. very important points of history regarding mm. war. And I think it'd be really interesting to see something. We had like a that. good war show in a long time, especially while. Um, it's some of these soldiers are still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some absolute. That's, what, that's when you need to get it. Like that's what that's what did well with Band of Brothers as well. Is that you got those stories, those from interviews the, with, yeah, them at with the, the end. actual yeah. soldiers. Amazing. Really mm. good. Excellent. Yeah. Um, my idea is an idea that I've had for about uh, ten years, um, and I've even wrote a uh, script for it. It's uh, I, I will release it if people demand it enough. It's called Hans Baby. Um, it's a diehard um, spin-off. Basically, <laughs> basically uh, I, 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 mate, it, this is vast. It's about uh, Ellis. Remember Ellis from Die Hard? So we know how he ultimately, out of the end of my um, film, um, would... <laughs> so I know where you're yeah, going Yeah, and this. it's basically about Ellis's life and how he led up to uh, his interview with Mr. <laughs> Takagi and uh, his ultimate end um, to the hands of Hans Gruber. That's why it's called Hans Baby. Hans um, Baby. Yeah. Um, I, I, was... I generally thought you meant Hans Baby originally. Like when you said Hans Baby, it was going to be like Hans Gruber's baby. Oh, no, up. no, no. Hans. <laughs> oh, no, no. Maybe, maybe, comma, maybe like a Muppet baby. Baby's reinvention. <laughs> now I want to see that. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> babies. But the, the, the script I wrote, and obviously um, my grammar's terrible, so it probably needs to be uh, proofread within a, with, with a fine tooth comb before I even release it. But yeah, it's it's more dark. It's more. Um, do you know? Do you know when? Uh, <laughs> know when the Joker film came out recently? Yeah, I watched that. and Went. They ripped my fucking script off. <laughs> <laughs> my hands, baby script, because it was about like Ellis's downfall. Big cokehead by the end, wasn't it? You know what I mean? And yeah. um, just how oh, yeah. hard it is to work at the Nakatomi Plaza, and it it was it, it had a bit <laughs> bit of a Wolf of Wall Street vibe to it as well. And hell, man. It's not a comedy. It's quite dark. It's quite a dark script. It's in, um, yeah. And at the very end, obviously, it's the the infamous night, the uh, Christmas party, and his ultimate demise. Um, and there's going to show his death. You have to just show him going. Oh yeah, yeah. Party. Yeah, exactly. The there's going to be an, an an epilogue of his funeral, and like only like three people turn up and stuff. <laughs> but from the beginning of the film. Um, he's, he's well liked and stuff, and it's it's just like what what that kind of work environment does to a human, and uh, yeah, I think I think Hans Baby is going to be massive when I sell the script <laughs> to Scorsese. <laughs> to be, I don't to be what fair, I it's probably more. better than Hans... Die Hard Five. Oh, I've not even seen I that mean, John McClane's in it at the better. very end for for a split second. He barely even saw he barely even saw him. 
But yeah, he, he did like Holly McLean though. He did flirt with her in my script. Uh, Gennaro, sorry, not McLean. But, <laughs> but yeah, I thought I would have seen more hands, baby, or the Muppet Baby version of Die Hard. <laughs> oh, this is this is yippee ki yay, muddy a, funster. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's quite a serious film, my my my, my um, spin-off, and people listening now are going, "That's fucking genius." Um, it is. I like yeah, it. I've, I've had it for about I've had it brewing it for about ten years. It's one of those that I've I've kept on my Dropbox forever, and I've always <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. And I'm like, when do I unleash this into the world? <laughs> it's 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 either going to be absolutely brilliant or it's going to be threat level midnight. It probably, it probably, it's probably skirting like somewhere in between. It, need, it needs an editor. Absolutely needs an editor. It's, it's like a, it's like a fucking sixty-page script. It's huge, <laughs> but yeah, it's a three-hour-long film. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, Hans, baby, yeah, in cinemas soon. But yeah, let's move on to that bulging mail sack of yours, there, gadget. Well, it is bulging this week. Uh, starting off with Ben at X Ben Blaster X. Best spin-off show of all time, Better Call Saul. Saul Goodman yeah. is a sleazy chap. Uh, Saul Goodman, a sleazy cheap suit lawyer in Breaking Bad, becomes a whole different beast in his own show. A man who always tries to do the right thing in the wrongest way possible. Love it. For me, it surpasses Breaking Bad. See, I forgot to mention as well when I talked about it that it does comedy and tension like so well in the show. Yeah, it's uh, good like, when that's it's, mixed well. Yeah, like there's some episodes where Saul is just in his element and it's funny as fuck. And then you get episodes like the second to last episode of the last series. My God, the ending of that episode is just, it's tense, so tense because you have no idea what's going to happen. Someone does something and you're just like, how is this person going to react to what that person's just said? And it's just like, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, Derek Pennington at One Line Derek. He says, my answer for both favourite and least favourite is all dependent on which seasons we're talking about. The Simpsons. Ah. <laughs> yes, every, everyone does forget The Simpsons is, is actually a spin-off of the Tracy Ullman yeah, show. Yeah, it is, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the short yeah. little skits, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he is right. Sometimes, the first eight, nine seasons, we've talked about it before, best spin-off ever. Second, the following 20 seasons, not no, mm. the worst. Um, Robotic Monkeys come in saying, uh, Better Call Saul has been consistently wonderful. Uh, he also points out lovely podcast this week, chaps, but he misheard the episode. He started listening to Dungeons and Daddies, which he's been enjoying. But now he's queued up Dungeon Dads after realising the mistake. <laughs> I did tell you, it gets complicated. You've done this I to us. Dungeons and a lot of dads. Episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, chat. it was really a really good, good chat. Uh, Tig on the Discord comes in saying, this sounds like Stig's better call Saul ep. It was. <laughs> uh, my the feedback. Le- they all agree. Yeah. My least favourite spin-off is Mario Tennis. The NES had a bunch of serviceable sports games, including tennis. Tennis was basic at best, but where it lacked in graphical finesse and shots, it made up for it with a compulsive tennis game based on perfect timing. Mm. Nintendo followed tennis up on the SNES, or the SNES. I don't know why I called it, did it the American way there. Um, with the mighty <laughs> Super Tennis. So oh, he loves uh, that game, doesn't he? Yeah, he fucking loves it. He added, just wanted to get that into, into feedback. Yep. Super <laughs> added in characters, more tournament styles, and a bunch more shots to express yourself on the court. But it also kept the intricate timing. You could play a boring tap-tap game of tennis, but if you practice and practiced, perfecting the intricate timing, Super Tennis became a truly superb game where novices couldn't live with the experienced masters. Nintendo binned off all the uh, all the tennis games when they Marioized everything. There's a new yeah, word. They did. Now Mario Tennis is a silly game with magic mushrooms and special moves that barely resembles its sublime origins on the original Nintendo machines. I can imagine Tig sat there asking- when he plays Super Tennis. He puts his 
He's had he's had bandana on. He gets his Boris Becker. <laughs> he gets, he gets his, his racket out. His he just puts his racket inside of him. Picks up the controllers like, uh, uh, wifey, I'm just um, gonna have a, a session on super tennis. And she's like, oh no, here we go. And he's like, and he's grunting. He's going, while he's playing. Can I have another Robinson's yeah, ball? Yeah, I can imagine him proper getting into it, spinning his racket between the loads. Towel in her face. I think he's right though, isn't he? Because you're the week you were asking Oodles yeah. is there any decent tennis games yeah. because all there is seems to be is just a silly Mario For me, version it's, of it um, which might be fine but it's not like I like virtual tennis know, that was the last tennis a, game I adored yeah, a proper tennis game if you want one Top it just spin. isn't it's odd though because like the Mario spin-offs there's been hit and miss like Mario Golf I loved that I loved it on Game Boy no interest at all oh, I loved it but yeah it, um, obviously the best Mario spin-off Mario Kart <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean Oh yeah, I should have mentioned Absolutely that. Absolutely smashed yeah. it out of the box with that. With all of them. I mean, I I, yeah. I adore Double Dash. A lot of people don't, but I do. But, so yeah. John Cheatham's come in, the 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 ever analytical and wonderfully read John Cheatham comes in saying, I'd like to give a shout out to a largely unloved spin-off of the weirdly prescient Resident Evil Outbreak games. Now, he's not I, wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, he's not wrong. They were very good games. Yeah, they were. Capcom keeps trying to smuggle online games into their mainline Resi games. They already had a great concept, co-op survival in these vignette scenarios around Raccoon City. Mm. There's some great levels, including a balmy trip to the zoo where there's a zombie elephant called Oscar chases you around. That's file creepy, two, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and a creepy hospital in a forest inhabited by a wax, uh, by an axe-toting doctor. Yeah, oh yeah. The problem really is, should... problem is no, no, I didn't have a LAN cable or whatever. I didn't have the adapter for the internet. The network adapter, yeah. yeah. Uh, they really should bring these back in the RE engine, which, of course, I pointed out to him that, no, you don't get that. You either get Reverse or you get uh, Umbrella Core. Oh, no, Umbrella Core. Oh. Because Capcom, for every good move they make, they do five shit ones. because there's 17 teams <laughs> at Capcom, that's why. There's so many of them. It's a massive yeah, like, building. Yeah, like, if they, could, if they could... I mean, they've got this Reverse thing that's coming out of Resident Evil 8, which I think is... was them trying to play with that idea because it's it, a little bit the mercenaries, like, a little bit kind of... Uh, Umbrella Core, mm. but it's just not Resident Evil Outbreak because they were they were co-op adventures and they were really fucking tense. It's the um, worst I've seen the RE engine look. It yeah, it's really like washed out and the characters run weird, like they're on ice. What in a uh, reverse? Yeah, reverse. Yeah, yeah, coming out. Looks bad, man. Uh, he also goes on to say, spin-offs versus interconnected universes is, is an interesting question. Many properties are taking the form of the latter now. Even The Mandalorian is now kicking off an interconnected series of TV yeah, shows rather it's than canon, just spin-offs. Isn't it? Yeah, and you suppose you get that with WandaVision and um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and stuff like that. Like Maybe that's technically- why um, Han's Baby hasn't kicked off because it's technically canon. It's not actually a spin-off. It's, uh, it's just in the universe, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. Plus no one's read it. <laughs> uh, Nim- Nimrod Hicks has come in here with Dear Mostly Engaging. Mostly engaged. Is he again? He's, he's he's on crack. That boy. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he says he, he loved the dungeons and dad. Ed, sorry, the dungeon dads chat. I was about to get it wrong there. Oh my uh, word! Great. It was a great atmosphere. Those guys. He's now about to start their first episode after he writes this. Yes. As for spin-offs, if Deep Space Nine and Frasier haven't been mentioned, something's gone horribly wrong. Fuck Deep Space Nine. I've only See, just I didn't recently watched Star Wars. Uh, Star, Star, Trek. Star Wars, Star, fucking hell, Star Trek. Jesus, I didn't know Stig. Star Trek because it's all kind it's of canon, like, isn't just, it? It's more of a seat. Yeah. I always cost them as sequels. sequels rather than spin-offs because yeah. they're kind of taking place. But Deep Space Nine is at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's at the same time. As, yeah, like maybe the next generation you would count as the proper spin-off because it was yes. so long between Star You're Trek probably and right, next generation. Yeah. 
But yeah, yeah, yeah these other ones are kind of the revolutions of the formula, but it's not really a spin-off. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, Don't watch Enterprise. No, never. Deep Space Nine, no. <laughs> oh, Deep Space Nine so good. It is. Uh, uh, Hicks is saying his mention is for young Sheldon, which is much funnier, more tender, and a more engaging show Fuck than what the Big your... Bang Theory became. What is that? It's uh, it's it's basically Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory as a child. I've watched one episode of Big Bang Theory. I wanted to gouge my eyes out and they yeah. pull them off. No, young Sheldon. I mean, I don't really like Young Sheldon, but I like it a lot more than I like Big Bang Theory. And I've I've said on the podcast why I hate the Big Bang Theory because it's crap. Uh, and a lot more reasons than that. Um, <laughs> but he says it's definitely worth a look. Otherwise, it could be argued that Led Zeppelin were a spin-off band from the Yardbirds, yep. and they're pretty damn good. Yeah, they're, they're all right, aren't they? They did well. <laughs> yeah, they're all right. Yes. And, and, and he, tunes. Yeah, and he's mentioned that he's looking forward to our D&D spin-off. Oh, you so That will be the greatest should. spin-off of all time. Uh, last up, um, Kurt Lewin, best boy. Mm. He says, for me, the standout spin-off is Better Call Saul, but from reading the Discord, I knew that that's going to be Stig's pick, and I'm sure he'll say why it's good. So my other TV pick would be Ashes to Ashes, which was a spin-off from Life on Mars. Yeah, it's a good shout, it's mate. Pretty much more of the same, following the adventures of Gene Hunt and the gang, but I loved it all the same. Yeah. In games, my favourite spin-off has been Gears Tactics, a turn-based, uh, turn-based combat take on the Gears of War universe. I think the game is brilliant. It's my favourite game in the genre, my favourite game of last year. I paid no attention to the story. I just love the moment-to-moment gameplay. I know XCOM 2 is known to be the king of this genre, but I've never been a fan of the base building stuff in it. Gears Tactics removes all that and just focuses on upgrading your characters, and it looks incredible too. I think Kurt uh, really needs to play Fire Emblem. Uh, I don't oh think so. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, Gears, the thing is, Gears Tactics is a, is a really good game, and it, it manages to nail something that I don't think XCOM 2 managed to nail, which was playing a game like that on a keypad, uh, on a gamepad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. XCOM 2 is on the consoles, but it's not a fun experience to play it on. Even I played XCOM 2 pad. on PS4 with a mouse and keyboard, and I yeah. didn't do that, but I knew I had to. Oh, wow. I played it on the. Oh, like shocking. Pad. I didn't that much. But, I just hate the fact that it crashed all the time. That's what yeah. infuriated me. Well, there was that as well. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Ge- Gears Tactics is a really, really good game. I, I dip in and out of very soft. I started it. I'm about, I'm about three hours in, and yeah, it's solid, but. Uh, there's just better tactical games, in my opinion. Yes, but you love you, you, you're you're a sucker for Final Fantasy Tactics. I like swords, don't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the guns have got chainsaws on them. Yeah, I do like that. I do like, and I do like <laughs> that it, it it copies Overwatch. Uh, no, sorry, it copies um, XCOM's Overwatch mechanic. I love Overwatch mechanic. Yeah, I love that. Rather than wasting a turn, at least you've got something to do. Something yeah. to do, yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, that, that's that's the end of the mailbox. Thank you for everyone who wrote in. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, let's briefly go into the socials then. Yeah, so you can find us at Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to our episodes, our socials, and our Discord. Uh, if you have any comments, you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail dot com. Uh, gaming streams we have up and coming. I have no idea what Oodles is doing. So neither do I. No, neither does he. So just keep an eye out for that. Uh, when he comes back, we'll we'll sort that out. Uh, Mondays, Biggie's continuing with his playthrough of Dark Souls, and on Wednesday, Gadget and I are playing A Way Out, oh, which is a very silly game. It was so fun watching <laughs> <It is>. that. <laughs> Do, I enjoyed it. I told you. It, I told you at the beginning, though, it is literally uh, daft Shawshank, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This dialogue even, even is like dreadful. S- yeah, the dialogue's terrible. You're even tarring the roof laughing. like on Shawshank and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just found the point. It's just like where we, you break into this old person's, people's home. Oh, God, yeah. And you're like, oh, I could just spend a bit of time lighting a fire or playing a playing banjo piano. or 
Oh, messing around with hats and stuff. I'm just like, oh, we're on the run here. <laughs> this but, one yeah, bit, just... this one bit, and it's not really a spoiler. It's just a mechanic. There's, 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 it's quite a tense moment. And then you can both sit down and play Connect Four for as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's well worth doing. I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. Yes. Exactly. Um, next week's episode, uh, it's entitled "When the Hype Failed to Deliver." Yes. So we're going to be talking about when the world, critics, your friends, people you know, hype something up so much, but when you eventually came to watch it, read it, play it, hear it, it was just a damp squib. And, and I will be talking about Yakuza. Did not understand where, where the hype came from. So yeah, let us know when the hype failed to deliver for you. It's going to be a banger. And <laughs> lastly, uh, leave us five stars. On all your podcast review places, um, it helps us get noticed. It helps boost the pod. You can say we're shit if you want, but give us five stars. Yeah, don't matter. Just give us the five stars, and it helps boost us all. And you know, word of mouth as well. The, the uh, main we thing with the five stars everyone who... is, um, even if you want to slag us off, we won't read anything that's not five stars. So if you want to slag us off and us notice it, give us five yeah. stars, and we'll read it then. Yeah, that's simple. I think that's fair. You get you get to slag us off, yeah. and we get a five star. It's a win win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I say, a, a word of mouth. Um, tell a friend, tell someone, retweet us, like us. I really appreciate everyone who retweets our tweets and likes them as well to try and help push the pod. So yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a homework task for the listeners as well. Do you know when you when you go shopping this week or next week, the cashier, tell them about the podcast and explain to me uh, how that interaction went. <laughs> or hijack the tannoy no that. don't hijack the tannoy I don't want to be part of some kind of hijack the tannoy no, don't please. do that yeah. just say to the cashier just say um, there's a podcast I'm listening to um, it's called Modern Escape is it? and they'll go security get him out <laughs> don't know what a podcast is but yeah just tell one person everyone everyone listens to it. one person we can double the numbers then to te- two million tannoy. then <laughs> Don't go on the Tano. Tano, I'll get the fuck out. <laughs> but yeah, that's that. That's been us this week. Um, it's been a good one again, and we'll we'll just uh, leave you with the fact that yeah, we're doing a spin-off. Um, quickly explain to people that might have not heard last uh, episode, gadget, what the spin-off is. So yeah, um, after the success of doing uh, Undergrasswell Manor, our two-part D D special, um, we really enjoyed doing it. Everyone enjoyed listening to it by all accounts. So we are starting up a second podcast. Uh, It's called Do Do Dragon's Dream of Scorched Sheep. Yes. And it's going to be good. It's going to be excellent. It's going to be a proper actual play um, podcast. So it's not going to be heavily edited. You're going to hear the dice rolls. You're going to hear the times when Oodles loses the dice under the desk. Yep. um, Which did happen. I did edit that out in the last one. But (laughs) yeah, I'll I'll be leaving those in. Uh, We have an extra voice coming in. um, Who is our, our... our wonderful resident artist, Candy Machine, she's going to be joining us for this endeavor. Um, we'll be bringing her onto the podcast to introduce you to her um, the week before it goes live. We're aiming to have the first episode out on the 4th of June. Yes. Um, ahead, of, ahead of that coming out, um, we'll be launching our Patreon, which is yes. going to be fun, and there's going to be some wonderful bonus stuff coming out of that. It's just going to be a lot of pod-based content for your ears. It's going to be a crack in summer. It is. Uh, but the one pledge that we will make to you is that this podcast, Modern Escapism, isn't going anywhere and will always be ad-free. Yep. You will never have to pay a penny to get anything from us, at least on this feed. 
You have to pay for the rest of the feet. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. Um, but yeah, we'll, we are very much looking forward to bringing something new to it. I'm starting to write the story now. Um, we've all got our characters sorted. Um, and the gra- uh, if you haven't heard Grass War Manor yet, go back and listen to it. Uh, it's, two, it's two parts, and that will be the kind of the prologue for Do Dragons Dream of Scorched Sheep? It's a triumph really- of D and D virgin virginity being lost. It's yes. an absolute triumph. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, well, look at it where look at where it's led us. Yeah, just doing a special. So we've all enjoyed doing it. We've agreed to yeah. carry it on. Yeah. Um. And the the general run of it is going to be they're going to be about an hour and a half long episodes. You want to get them once every two weeks, mm-hmm. so you have plenty of time to digest in between. And uh, you know, give me tips on how to torture these three idiots and the idiot that's joining us. Um, <laughs> She's yeah, an just, idiot to say yes. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Just so, just you know, DM me or hit me up on the Discord and just let me know the ways you want me to torture them. And he will as well. That's the problem. He will. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that's been us this episode, and we will see you next time for Don't Believe the Hype. Um, good night. Bye. Tanoys. I, I, I agree with you, but you went a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs>